or they're gonna see Vixen talking. I don't. I don't know who. Do, who do the young people like? Like Justin Bieber? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, think the kids like him no more. But I get your point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, nobody want to read about Vixen talking about Justin Bieber. Like, it's just not like, and and it's like, no, you can't do that. So it's like you have to. That's Matthew McConaughey. He does that, right? I think so. Yeah, that's his thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think he made that I'm, like his thing. I'm not going to take that then. Welcome back uh, yes, to another yes. relaunch. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. I am LZ. I am Keenan. How are you yeah, doing? What's up, Keenan? I'm good. You know, um, I've been contemplating how I can get out of working. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> because I really like, I'm over like working and like, I don't know. I just want to like kick it because <laughs> working know, right now was stressing me out. I feel you on that. I, I'll never forget. There's the, there was this uh, clip circulating around Twitter and this woman was asking people what they did for a living. She was asking women specifically what they did for a living. And there was one woman when she got out of her car, they asked her, they were like, oh, what do you do for a living? She says, I'm married. And I said, yes, <laughs> that is yes. the life that I would like for myself. I want a husband that is, Excuse me, I don't want a husband. I want a man who is rich to come and pick me up and say, Keenan, quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. I know that's right. <laughs> I just that sounds like, amazing. And, and it's like, and I want, and I want like to, you know, I have I've been working since I was 15 years old. Speak I'm tired. <laughs> hey, I would it. like to do nothing for just a little bit of time. I want to be taken care of and just you know i want to be more like one of those rich ones we we talk about eating the rich and sending people to the guillotine i want to be that one percent okay? <laughs> <I get laughs> i'm okay it. with that <laughs> i'm okay with that just for a little bit <laughs> i get it i get it because wow i don't want to do this shit no more <laughs> okay. um but despite all that we had some fantastic comics coming out so let's go ahead and get into that we did let's do it Okay, um, so we're coming towards the end of Future State for DC Comics, and to, uh, this week we had a couple more that was coming out, so let's start with Future State Justice League number two. This is written by Josh Williamson, um, art by Robert Roca, and the backup story for Justice League Dark is done by Ram V and Marcio Takara. Now, how did you feel about this? Now, I actually, like, I don't know. I thought it was just okay. I, I don't know. I didn't I didn't really like like it as much as the first one. Um some of the stuff that was coming out of this book I was a little confused about. Like at one point, um our Justice League or whatever, they're like trapped on that planet because the uh the Martians or whatever took them. But it seemed like every time that they were trying to figure something out, it was always just like a convenient answer. <laughs> like <Yeah>. uh <laughs> like they didn't they could figure out who attacked them but all of a sudden um andy was like oh it's the hyper clan i remember they attacked us me when i was a kid which i was going to ask you like did that ever happen in no <laughs> <laughs> i was like okay well now she knows but i wasn't sure if they were trying to like have that be some kind of like tidbit of hey these are all kind of connected kind of thing um and then there was another moment in this where 
they are like talking about where they are and wondering if maybe they're in their right earth. But I didn't know that like the multiverse was a known thing or like an accepted kind of concept and that people can just kind of jump through it. I don't know. That part kind of confused me. But maybe I'm just dumb. <laughs> well, then if you are, so am I. <laughs> I, I. I was a little confused by that. Um, Again, like, so, you know, I've been saying this for, I guess, the last few weeks or the few times that we've discussed the Future State book. It's, you know, I even think we said this a little bit in the beginning when this first got announced. DC is great at, like, announcing things and hyping something up and making sure. it seem, like, really, really amazing. And then you actually get the content and it's kind of like, fine. <laughs> right. And I think Future State is a big example of that because again, while we are getting new books and some stuff is happening after this, it just, it feels just like an Elseworlds book and none of these stories really matter and you're reading it and honestly, they're just okay. It's a great showcase for the art. The artists who are on the, I did like the stories art, yeah. are like fantastic. Um, but as far as story, it's just kind of like, okay, this is fine. What's the point of it? Yeah. And then like when they were, so the Justice League is off on this like sulfury fire planet and they realize it was a prison for the white Martians or the hyper clan that's attacking them and impersonating them and trying to like set up some dome that's going to increase their telepathic powers that'll make them control everybody. Um, So they're on this other planet and all of a sudden just to get out, like I didn't know speed could share their speed. I don't know. I mean, not speed. Sorry, uh, flash. flash. I don't know. That didn't make a lot of sense to me. I didn't. I guess also, like, I didn't know. I don't know. This flash was that powerful that they can share their speed. All with flashes other are too powerful. It doesn't, make, <laughs> it doesn't matter who the flash is. All I guess you're too right. You're right. Powerful. <laughs> yeah, because it was. I mean, they were like, "Oh, I can just share my speed with everybody," and then they were like, "I can feel the vibrations of this earth, and I can know that we're not like." We're in our right multiverse, but we're just not on our earth. And I was like, what kind of power you got? (laughs) God damn, you could do anything. Um, So they shared their speed and then they got all back to um, the right earth or whatever. And then, you know, they have the whole fight with each other while they're uh, trying to use these like memories or things that they know about each other. Uh, to to kind of differentiate who is a real Justice League member versus who is a part of the HyperClan because the HyperClan can uh, transform. They can, you know, do the whole Mystique thing and be somebody else. Um, and like some of the things that they said with each other where I thought were interesting. I liked that uh, Superman said that he can use his super hearing. Like he hears Batman like kind of humming to himself <laughs> while he's fighting. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like um, something I would do, honestly. Like have our own theme song. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wasn't that sold on, I wasn't sure if I would continue this book going forward if this was just the Justice League book, because everything just seemed too convenient of like a wrap up. Granted, this is also like, I guess only the second issue of something, you know, they probably did have to wrap it all up because it isn't like an ongoing, I don't know, but still, I thought there could have been a little bit of something better there. Yeah, no. I agree with all of that. And same for the backup. Um, And I think I said a little bit about that. For the last one, it was like, it's fine. But again, and even with Justice League Dark, I think I'm just kind of tired of seeing like this particular team together because it just has been so long. It it needs to be a little something different to inject some new life into it. So they're fine. We'll go to the I like this Dr. Fate. I will say that. And you know, like I I thought he was kind of cool in this. 
Um, oh, he's great. He's yeah. like he's a good Doctor Fate, and I'm usually not like into Doctor Fate because yeah, that's somebody somebody who's powerful. Okay, what can you do? <laughs> <Right. laughs> um, but like I in those Justice League Dark issues, he was like really interesting. He's a cool guy. Yeah, I mean, I was I was living for the flashy action parts of the Justice League Dark part, but um, oh, Marcus Carr's art is fantastic. Like, yeah, the like, art was you know, you know, I have an art book coming from him. So I had like, oh, that's um, dope. I had purchased one of his art books in 2020, mm-hmm. but then COVID happened. So mm-hmm. like, obviously, he he's kind of a, a little bit slower to get some things out because he has so many orders and things like that. So it's like COVID pushed everything back and he just couldn't get to it and then like a couple weeks ago i got an email from him he's like hey keenan i'm like finishing up your book now because it has going to have an original sketch of betsy on it oh yay that's dope yeah. um and so he's like i'm sending it out and so i should be getting it in like the next few weeks i'm really excited <laughs> i need to get more like art books and stuff like that i need to you know start pumping up exodus and wonder man and Polaris <laughs> and all that i need the i need the art um, but anyway, yeah, I thought the Justice League Dark part was good. I, I guess I understand what you're saying. I don't read a lot of the, the Justice League Dark books, but anytime I see images of them, it's always, you know, Zatanna, yeah. Etrigan, uh, Constantine. See, I know which the names been, like that. Which has been great, like, to get, like, that consistent story. However, it's now gotten to the point where it's like, okay, we either need to switch this team up a little bit or we need to revamp it completely. Um, yeah. So that was Future State Justice League. Um, going on to the next one. I, so I didn't get into this particular issue, but I'm pretty sure you did. Uh, Future State Teen Titans number two. And this was by Tim Sheridan and Rafa Sandoval. Okay, so um, I did read this book and what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> it's very pretty to look at, but what the fuck is going it's, on? It's, 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 future state is great for the artist. I, think, I really do think this was just full. And I feel like I wish they kind of would have just said like, hey, this is just going to be an artist showcase. Like, <laughs> we right, want to give some of our artists their shine because they deserve it. So like in this book, um, if you guys remember that I said in the last issue, they were like building this team. Again, I was also confused back then because they weren't saying what happened to them. They're just in this like dystopian future and it's just them. Um, the problem that I had with this book, although the art is beautiful, they would do a lot of the like flashbacks where it's like, oh, um, these we don't want to talk about that thing that happened six months ago and then the very next panel is what happened six months ago and they would also be (laughs) in the same like location as they were before so like it would get confusing on when they were jumping back and forth between a flashback versus something that was happening now um and then like they nightwing is now like deathstroke um (laughs) yeah he's deathstroke and he's working with red x and they want to get like that dial H um, phone thing. Oh, I, um, so I love I love the dial H concept. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, like I, I love that. Like the dial H book that came out, Sam Humphrey's role was really good. And there actually used to be this Titan named Hero Cruz who had it. He was like this little gay black guy. It was great. Um, oh yeah, and like I, I oh yeah, I love dial H. Come on, queen. Um, right. I, uh, maybe that's who they were talking about in this there. (laughs) 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 I didn't know that. (laughs) 
Because they kept talking about somebody named Cruz, and I was like, who the hell is that? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, so wait. Like, if Hero Cruz is like, you're going to have to stay on this book now and confirm <laughs> me if it's Hero Cruz. Because if Hero Cruz is the part of this, I will actually go and pick that up. Like, Hero Cruz is like, so you know how, like, I love some D-list X-Men? Like, Hero yeah. Cruz is like my D-list Titan. I oh, love wow. okay. him. Okay. Oh, my gosh. That would be very exciting. Well, they were talking about somebody who used to own this book, and I think his last name was Cruz or whatever. I mean, who used to own the Dial H thing. He's not alive anymore because all the Titans are dead. <laughs> Why? They didn't say. <laughs> um, but something, I guess, kind of happened. And now they have to fight, like, the four horsemen of Apocalypse because, I don't know. And their plan is... Shazam, you know, he is uh, when There's he's too much going on in this <laughs> <laughs> You see what I'm saying? It's a lot. Like, <laughs> like they're fighting the four horsemen of apocalypse. And, you know, um, Shazam, when he calls on Shazam, the powers come from the rock of eternity. Okay. <laughs> well, the Titans plan is for Raven to trap the four horsemen of apocalypse like through some kind of magic spell into the rock of eternity which means that shazam will never be able to trade back places into billy because that's where the magic kind of goes when he goes back and forth um so they're like fighting the four horsemen of apocalypse but then also somehow they also get like changed and converted into like little demon things and they gotta fight each other it was a lot maybe you might like it (laughs) But I was like, what the hell is going on? And then, you know, um, they keep fighting over whether or not they should finally um, use the Dial H dial. And Raven is in the background. Every panel, she's like saying the (laughs) spell. And I don't know what the hell the spell is. (laughs) It's like random magic words. And um, she's like saying this, all this stuff in the background. It's not the typical, you know, Azeroth, Metreon, Zenthos that we all know. It's just like legit magic words that she's saying <laughs> in the background and a bunker was in this which i thought he was kind of cool um bunker. yeah there was a moment where um nightwing now deathstroke wanted to like get across the field really quickly and he yelled at him was like hey bunker give me some uh i need some sets and he like made gymnastic things in the air for nightwing to Aww. flip on and stuff i thought that was kind of cool um but yeah, child, I don't know. <laughs> like, there's know. like the H dial, the Four Horsemen of Apocalypse, Shazam, the Rock of Eternity. It's a lot. The Titans. And are, then, and moving. then, like, and then it ends with like Shazam and Raven kind of like fight, like being together or whatever. And then it was like, you know, if you want to find out what happens next, Find out in March in Titans Academy. So I guess this is, you know how Future State has always been like, these are going to be possible timelines. Yeah. Supposedly now we're supposed to follow this through through Titans Academy to see how, if we even get there in March. Oh, wow. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's exciting. So guys, if you're going to find out in March, let us know. Yeah. I, um, I might check it out just because of Starfire, even though I don't really like the whole Den Mother thing that they're doing with her, but we'll see. Okay. Let's see. Let me know. If Hero Cruise pops up, I might join. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next up we got Future State Robin Eternal number two. Now again, this was not one that I was into. No, this but... is one I was into. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For sure. I, oh, this is the one that has Tim Drake, right? 
yes, yes, yes. Um, this is all Tim. And um, he was off trying to figure out how to get this like Lazarus uh, stuff that they were using on those Sentinel robots that I kind of called them before, you know, that they are looking for all vigilantes. Um, and this was written by uh, Megan Fitzmartin and drawn by Eddie Barrows. The art was great in this book. Um, I definitely wanted to like highlight that the art was really good in this book. Um, <clears throat> so in the last issue, um, Tim ended up defeating this robot, but all the Lazarus stuff like spilled out on him. So he's been like amplified now, but it's like a different version of it because it was supposed to not work for um, humans. So he's like able to fight, but he's also like going through these illusions and all these kind of battles and stuff. And while he's fighting, he is having this moment of reflection where there's this shadow of Batman that this is, that mm -hmm. is always being cast on the people that he's fighting and in the background. And it's constantly telling him how he's not enough. And um, you really get into like the mind of Tim because he is the smartest of the Robins, but he uh, doesn't feel like he is the enough to be a Robin. He always feels like, you know, Nightwing is Nightwing. That's the first one. And Damien is his son. And he looks at Jason's aggression as something that he would like to like also be able to do because he's tough. Um, so you really get into him into the mindset of Tim while he's doing all this. The entire time spoiler is there like, child, what is he going? <laughs> What's in his head? <laughs> we got to fix this. Um, <clears throat> there was also the character from um, last issue around who is a hard of hearing or deaf. And she is again, still using sign language in this, which I think is really cool. Um, and her and Spoiler are able to uh, communicate with each other via sign language uh, while they try to figure out what is gonna go on with Tim. Um, Tim <clears throat> finally gets to have his confrontation with uh, the person who's kind of been around all of this, which is this uh, Peacekeeper 13 guy. Um, I don't know if you remember in, in the Batman books, Peacekeeper number one, I think is like the main villain or whoever from the magistrate um oh, yeah, so this yeah, is like maybe like one of his understudy generals um um this book in my opinion was really good great showcase for them i would love for them to continue on as like some kind of a tim drake story and and let him get some shine because he definitely needs it he talks in this book about how he died before he died recently in um in the DC comics and spoiler was there, like she saw it happen. And I think the way he was resurrected was actually through the Lazarus pit. I'd have to go back and make sure. So I think that he, he talks about in this book, like the trauma that he's putting on spoiler with her having to see him like go through this again. I thought it was a really, really well-written, well-written comic and really get into the, into the mind of, of Tim. It ended well, it didn't end on like a cliffhanger. Um, it ended like, you know, you'll catch Tim <laughs> in the next Bat Family book. But uh, I think that this team could easily write, maybe, because <laughs> they really, really use him. Um, I think they would, I would hope that they use Tim going forward and give him some kind of shine, because this is pretty good. Okay. Highly recommended for the tip for the Tim Drake fans out there. Good for the Tim fans. It's, it's been yeah. a rough ride. It has been. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, next up, Daredevil 27. Now, you're still catching up on this, yes? I am still catching up, but Electra just showed up in um, just on the cover for the next issue that I have to read. So I think I'm at around like 10 or 11. Okay. Uh, so I was like, oh, I want to get into this because now I see my girl is finally showing up, but uh, I haven't caught up just yet. 
Okay, um, so, you know, this issue is a King and Black tie-in. There's entirely too much King and Black. I feel like I said that already, but I just need to repeat it. Like, there is entirely <laughs> too much King and Black in my comic books right now. This is what, a, vi- a Venom event? It is, yes. In, I've had enough. <laughs> I've had enough. I've like genuinely had enough. Um, I didn't so, know that this was going to be spilling out into everybody's like book. I didn't know everybody was going to have a tie into this. Um, it needs to stop. So, <laughs> um, again, basically, Null's people, whatever, attacked the prison that Matt was in. They kind of like bonded, and you see Matt fighting Null's influence because Null is supposed to be like, black nothingness and you have like this whole thing about Matt and how he's this man of God and faith and how he's kind of over he's kind of able to overcome what Noel is doing to him and then on the outside you have Elektra as Daredevil fighting off like the Noel monsters trying to attack people Typhoid Mary is one of the people who's been infected and it's actually kind of interesting because it's like Noel isn't controlling her he's just making her more powerful she actually makes a comment where she's saying i'm used to voices in my head like you don't control me but thanks for the upgrade oh, i'm gonna oh, kill well. electra anyway typhoid mary is great <laughs> that sounds pretty interesting so that's basically the gist of it again it is a king and black tie-in so it doesn't really have any big focus on the narrative it gets a little bit more into electra and matt's heads about like where they're at and what they're doing oh i can't wait to get to that um she yeah, be nastiness she she is beating ass and you know she's kind of <laughs> going through the like she's go, she's going through the motions of it she's like you know i'm fighting like matt as daredevil she's like i need to be Electra right now i need to like kill some things um and then she's kind of realizing that i don't while i don't necessarily always have to be like matt it's okay to be like him sometimes because one of the people who she's trying to protect his like mom has died and she like, oh, okay him. yeah so she has to bond with him all that again it would have been nice to have this type of story without the added addition of king and black yeah it's just taking over but it's there i feel like it's been going on for a while and it feels like it's been going on for a very long time like or maybe just you know what i think it's just because they've been building up towards it a lot in every book like a lot of these books have been mentioning how null was coming and all that kind of stuff and now he's finally here so now they have to go through the whole uh, battle so that's probably why it feels like it's been going on for ever <laughs> and then isn't there also like a main king and black book i, I think so <laughs> i'd assume so I, i'd assume that there is probably a actual main book and everybody has like a, a tie-in to it um okay next up, <laughs> next up is taskmaster number three and this comes to us from jed mckay and alessandro Vitti. and again i'm a big jed mckay fan now They need to go ahead and let him take this into an ongoing. (laughs) Because Um, I love this. (laughs) Um, This was really, really good. You know, I'm a big Taskmaster fan. Um, I think he's a really cool character. And I would like to have him have his own solo series. I think he could handle having that. Um, He's doing it very well with this, like, mini. Yeah, I think this is pretty good. Um, You know... Taskmaster is very like in your face about things in a way that is hilarious to me, um, but yeah, but yet still so like bad. He's still a bad guy, um, which yeah. I like in this book. He can be a lot of fun, and you know he talks about things in, in a way that's really funny. But he's still 
a killer and he's still okay with it with the kind mm-hmm. of stuff and i am glad that jed mckay isn't like trying to sugarcoat that sometimes i feel like popular villains don't ever get to do villainous things because sometimes people end up like not being into it or they get an uproar about them doing villainous things because it's a bad thing you know you should not kill someone um but i think that villains should still be able to be villains um and that should be an okay thing um sometimes people are bad yeah sometimes people are bad um i wasn't exactly sure who this korean superman was in this book um yeah i wasn't sure if they if he was new or or what but um taskmaster is still trying to get these uh basically memory like implant i'm imprints of these three people who he needs in order for him to get into uh the case that maria hill left behind and he is on this boat i mean i'm sorry in this truck and he tells these people like oh yeah definitely the drugs i've been giving you you guys are going to get superpowers (laughs) i got you (laughs) it's nothing and then you know um he shrinks and i just assume that obviously he stole some pen particles um, mm-hmm. But, you know, come to find out they weren't the real pin particles. They were like some bootlegs <laughs> that, that <laughs> um, um, Nick Fury was able to acquire for him, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, but they end up getting these villains who wanted to get superpowers, who Taskmaster told them he was like injecting them with this stuff. Um, they get stopped by this Korean Superman and they try to fight him and it doesn't go well. <laughs> and Uh-oh. you you end up thinking that you know, Taskmaster just probably like, you know, turned on them or double crossed them somehow and used them in order to get what he needed. And he needed a ride and a way into this like Korean, like Pentagon place um, in order for him again, so he can watch this woman, this high official up there so he can get her like imprint in his head. Um, Of course, when he finally gets in there, things don't go well. They, (laughs) they, they exactly. They never do. He gets caught while he's in, the vents um as still like little bitty <laughs> taskmaster because he used those pimp particles and you know he's running away he's thinking you know what i can figure this out as long as i stay small there's no way for him them to kind of find me and then literally as soon as he gets out of the vent he turns big and he was like god damn it with these <laughs> bootleg <laughs> he was like man, he was like I'm gonna kill Fury. <laughs> <laughs> i thought that that was really funny um and then he gets stopped by this a woman named White Fox, who I didn't know anything about her, but um, I guess she is a Korean she's, superhero. Yeah, she's been around for a while. I can't remember where she first appeared. I think she was in like a video game or something. And um, then they transferred her over to the comic. She's been in a couple of things and like some mini series. She was in the Contest of Champions book that oh, Ali okay. did. And I think she appeared in one of the Agents of Atlas miniseries at a time. Um, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool that they kind of brought her over from the games or whatever and were actually using her still. I like that she made this yeah. appearance. Again, I had no idea who she was. Um, and she was trying to fight Taskmaster, and that didn't go very well for her because obviously he <laughs> he figured out who she was um, just from watching yeah. her moves. Um, that just really tells you that Taskmaster is not ever really going into things blind. Um, my favorite part of this book 
was when he was fighting White Fox and he was naming off the moves that he stole from people. And he was like, like yeah, he was he like, was like that punch I saw Captain America do one time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, oh, that time um, Shang-Chi threw me out of a window, like that move he did. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. really fun. Uh, I like that part um, a lot. And then, you know, Widow shows up after they after he finishes off White Fox and, you know, things usually go the widow's way <laughs> um and taskmaster you had thought that he double crossed those people in the beginning but he actually did give them powers except you know it wasn't the typical super strength and stuff it was electric like powers and he drove he threw those into overdrive and used those people as a bomb so he used that as a distraction for him to get away um i'm sorry no they weren't electric powers. They were psychic powers. It was like um, psychic nuke or something like that. He yeah, he made them into like a psychic nuke. So everyone um, around in like a certain radius or whatever got hit with like a big telepathic blast, except him because he planned for that. And this moment for me, the next moment when he was like standing over Black Widow, I thought was really, really like kind of terrifying. I thought, I thought he was going to yeah. do it. Yeah, so he like after he sets off this telepathic blast, um, the Black Widow sitting there and she's like laid out, you know, unconscious, and he's like staring at her. He's like, "All it would take me is two steps, and I could finish this." And for the way that this was like drawn and written out, and like the panel placement and stuff, I was like, "I think he might do something." <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, he actually ends up leaving a note for her that he wasn't the one that killed Maria Hill. Um, while he goes yeah. off and goes on to his next mission, um, which he will be going into Wakanda. So I don't really know how well that's going to go for him. <laughs> oh, that's going to be messy. I also like about like when it comes to that Black Widow scene, I kind of like the whole narrative that was going on through his mind about like how he could kill her right then and there. But at the same time, he's like, you know, I've seen her die before and I've seen yeah. her come back. And he's like, you know, even if I do kill her, is she going to come back? And then it's like, when she comes back, she's going to know I killed her. <laughs> so she's going to still come after me again. And he's just like, is all of that worth it? And it's like, no. And it's like, that's why you just leave this note. It's just like, hey, like, I didn't do that. I don't want to keep playing this game, this cat and mouse, whatever. Yeah. It's just like, leave me alone. Um, and so like you said, now he's going into Wakanda. And that's going to be fun. Yeah, he needs some door the part of McCoy. Like, yeah. I was about to say, some door going to knock him out. I expect him to probably hit on some of them and that probably not go well. <laughs> but overall, this book was great. I really would love if Jed McKay stayed on Taskmaster and, and they just rolled out into a solo series for him. Absolutely. Any, any Anything that would continue Jed McKay's longevity in writing, I will support. Absolutely. Um, oh, so next up, Eternals. And that was by Karen Gillan and Isad Ribic. Now, do you think this is going to make you become an Eternals fan? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think it got me. I think you know, it got me. I was, I was like reading this issue and I was just like, you know. I'm, I'm this liking is, this a lot. I was like, this is kind of good. <laughs> and I was just like. <laughs> but like, um. I, Icarus is like not my cup of tea. I'm ready to like um, move on from him. But like Cersei, Kingo, Fastos, like, yeah, I was feeling all of them. I'm like feeling like the whole big world building, the Mad Titan with Thanos stuff. Um, just the, 
I don't know. It's like, I think I think I think I'm gonna become an Eternals fan. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I I did like the fact that it's always uh, harped on that, you know, they are Eternals. They're always going yeah. to come back um, so that people can kind of accept that if they die, they're going to come back. <laughs> so, you know, they kind of have their own thing there. But, um, you know, their machine is broken. And it's like the machine that, like, you know, is the thing that keeps them all, like, operating and connected with each other and then makes them all Eternals. Um, now, they're in th- this fight in the beginning between... Thanos and Icarus, I thought was pretty cool. Um, beautifully drawn, Rivik, like beautifully drawn stuff. Part. Yeah, like yeah, great. It it looked like it looked like it was a big fight, battle, intense. You felt all of it. Like the part where he uh, Thanos kind of realized that he didn't actually beat Icarus or just kill him, or whatever. And he's like, "You feel that rage?" It's like, "Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you get that. <laughs> you get that." Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really cool um, because. You know they're fighting in their old home world or whatever and obviously their home world has like portals and stuff to different times that they can do and, and jump to and icarus uses that to kind of fight thanos through all these different time periods or whatever and um then he ends up like you said he's like fighting icarus but that's he ripped his head off which i was like whoa <laughs> right <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i know that they're eternals and they can come back but damn uh, so Thanos like rips his head off and is sitting there with his like head, the severed head, but then he finds out that it was just a a robot or whatever, or like some kind of hologram that they used to probably practice in that room. Um, and what did you think about this story about like the him being a god part or being seen as a god when uh, Icarus kind of first returned there, which I thought was a really cool kind of aside and the way that you get more backstory on the Eternals without taking away from the story that the machine was kind of giving you this, let me give you a quick history lesson on Icarus. No, I was really into it. And I think it makes sense for them. It's like, you see these kind of like super powerful people who like never die and are always around. It's like, of course you would look at them and think, yes, higher power. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I was when- into it. When he floated in, <laughs> you know, on that island, he was t- talking to that boy. Of course, he would think you were a god. He is wearing a loincloth. <laughs> okay. You, you have all these like crazy powers. So, of course, he uh, thought you were a god. Um, and he told, he was looking, and by he, I mean, Icarus was looking for this like monster that he needed to like, you know, fight and defeat. And he told the boy, you know, if you next time you see the monster, like light a fire and I'll I'll be there. But he waited forever and forever and he never came. Uh, pretty much he died. And the grandkids finally lit the fire, um, you know, as a as a gesture for their grandfather who had died. And Icarus came and was like, you know, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> I, told I, I told you I don't want to like this if the monster is coming. Um but of course, the monster actually ended up coming. <laughs> so um, he ended up fighting them or whatever. Um, but back in our time, back on like Olympus is where the Eternals all live, they are all trying to tell everyone, hey, y'all, uh, Thanos is back and somehow he is in here. And that shouldn't be because Thanos isn't an Eternal um, or like he's not like a true Eternal. So something's broken. And that's when they learn that like the machine is broken. So they don't know what's going on. Some of them kind of assume that uh, Sprite did it, 
because obviously mm-hmm. she's probably she's mischievous so they probably just assume that she's that she was the one who did it and that icarus probably could be in on it or they think that uh the other eternal is like looking for a way to have power well among the other eternals because once something like this happens they have to choose the prime eternal and you know they were like oh you know this means that we have to put it to a vote and find a prime Mm -hmm. eternal but people think that he's probably like druid i think that's his name is you were trying to like he's like looking for power or something so they've got some issues there in saunter's um cersei (laughs) you know giving a look yeah with her bangs and um, the iconic bangs. <laughs> yep, with her bangs, and uh, she's like has this like inner circle basically with her and Icarus, which I believe that her and Icarus were a couple. I believe at one point, right? Honestly, couldn't tell. So I don't know too much. That's what I'm saying. Like this is going to make me an Eternals fan, and, and I'm going to yeah. be highly disappointed if I got if I go back and I read a bunch of Eternals comics now and I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they've had that many, so uh, you'll definitely have to go back and check them out and see what's going on. Because I don't know. I think this is going to make me become an Eternals fan. I wonder if they are going to have some kind of crossover with the X Men. Because but they've always been like loosely kind of tied, haven't they? Yeah, they're like they're like cousins of each other in a way, kind of, because you know, with the way that the celestials came and did their genetic stuff on, you know, uh like Cro Magnon uh humans or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call them. Um they created the Eternals, the Deviants, and then they said that they left the genetic potential for humans to develop mutations so it's like they're kind of sort of related but kind of not in a way but i just wonder that if their machine for resurrection is broken but the mutants have just found out how to resurrect themselves i wonder if there was ever going to be some kind of crossover between between the two that would be cute and then like you know there's a lot of things about evolution and stuff in mutants right i mean obviously always in x-men comics and in terms of evolution but it's like you know ascending to that next level and becoming greater than what you always have and like using your powers in new and stronger ways so it's a nice little connection you can bring in there i I mean if this makes me an eternals fan i'll be into it yeah i i mean karen gillen is a really good writer so i think that especially with something like this where he gets to really like be creative because i think i've read interviews where he said he created like 40 or 50 Eternals for this book because I think before this it was only like 12 of them. <laughs> so, you know, he's good. He's good. He, he, yeah. he knows how to play with the gods. Waking and Divine is amazing. Exactly. So I think that this kind of like, you know, God level kind of stuff for him is going to be a lot of fun. Um, he's probably going to turn me into Eternals fan. Damn. Well, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is, what it is. <laughs> there you go. Eternals on too. So um, next up, Moving into the X book, speaking of X Men, um, X Force 17, Benjamin Percy and Kassar. Now, I know this has been all your jam, you know. Yeah, yeah. Your girl's um, been in it. She wasn't in this part. Well, she wasn't a big part of this issue, was she? She was not, no. And I think she's leaving the team. So, um, you know. Oh, that's right. Because uh, she, you know, I was, I was remember because I was saying I didn't actually think she would like leave, but then the whole X Men thing started. So she is probably going to completely leave. To like legit leave. Yeah. I didn't think, I thought it was more of her just like, you know, throwing a fit, like, oh, I don't have to be on this team, but she was eventually going to come back. But 
with the X-Men announcement, uh, I think she is legitimately leaving. Um, so um, I still like X-Force, you know, uh, I like what they're doing as far as like this whole CIA thing. This issue was a Kid Omega focused issue. Um, you, which makes sense. And in the story, they talk about how there was something that happened on this boat and these people died and it died near Krakoa. So because of the proximity to Krakoa, they were afraid that Krakoa will be blamed for the deaths. So he wanted, Beast specifically wanted to send in someone to go kind of handle it. Um, and in the story, the only person that is available is Kid Omega. So, uh, which makes sense because Wolverine is in Magipore in his solo series and Domino, mm -hmm we saw is actually in Cable right now because she's going to be helping him and all that kind of stuff. So I like that the stories like all kind of line up in that way. So this isn't some like random forced Kid Omega issue. Um, I mean, they would have to do something like this, a character focused one because all the other characters okay. are busy in other books. So I kind of like that there's this kind of synergy between them. Um, so Kid Omega has been talking about how he just like is over dying. <laughs> and and being killed and because he's been, and he goes through every single death that he's experienced in this book and he's just like i don't want to do this anymore um i'm better than that i'm stronger than that i can be the one to kind of handle this mission um his powers are you know he's an omega level telepath and he's also um a telekinetic um and he can create physical psychic uh weapons not necessarily weapons, but just like draw physical psychic energy. Yeah. I mean, I think when he actually first did it, he said that he got it from Betsy. He was like, oh, you know how Sayla can do that? I wonder if I can do it. So he did it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, so he he uses this like jetpack in it, which I just kind of looked at that as what? mostly him just using his. Yeah. I mostly looked at that as him using his telekinesis to fly. He made a psychic jetpack. Yeah, he's like flying with his psychic jetpack. But again, I just kind of looked at that as he was using his telekinesis to fly and probably just was being dramatic and made a psychic jetpack, you know, to make it look like that. But he was actually just telekinetically flying himself. Well, that was one thing I kind of didn't like when they kind of started doing with Betsy's powers, especially during the Brian Wood era when they had the all-female X team. Um, they had her making various psychic weapons, which was fine at first, but I'll never forget there was one issue that Mark Guggenheim wrote, and he had her doing like, uh, I know, right? <laughs> I had her doing a psychic Gatling gun. And it was just like, yeah, it's just like... Yeah, she's not a pink lantern. Like, that's not what we're doing. Um, <laughs> right, right. So, and so, like, that's what I think of a psychic jetpack. It's just like, oh, okay, that's a little, all right. Yeah. Um, but he ends up using his, like, telepathic powers to locate this girl who's in it, and she's, like, alive still. Um, he has this whole relationship with uh, Phoebe, of one, of one of the cuckoos. Um, and they even talk about, like, you know, wait a minute, why do you even like me? I thought y'all all hated me, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And she was like, no, you know, I see through your facade. I see through all of this, like, this this shell of a person that you kind of put on the outside. Was Phoebe really the are. one that he always liked? Or he used to like Sophie? 
I have no idea. I don't remember. I think that <laughs> I don't follow them girls like that. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I, I distinctly I know, I know like, like one the of them. He, run, he was like, he was like in love with one of them. But I thought that one died, right? Didn't he like tell her yeah. to use so that was the she whole, died from that? Yeah, she like died. Um, but I think that I thought that was, wasn't that Sophie or was that Phoebe? You don't I have no that. idea. If anyone remembers if it was Phoebe or Sophie, please let us know. Yeah, please do. Um, so he needs to get more like information off of the people who survived from that ship attack. And he literally marches into a hospital and just goes straight into the room because again, he's a very powerful telepath and uh very powerful psychic so he like stops everybody in there and he was like i think phoebe was even shocked like oh i didn't know you could do all of this <laughs> and he's like yeah <laughs> it's nothing <laughs> um so yeah it was a really like kid omega focus issue by the end of it him and phoebe kind of like they show that they're this couple or whatever and she kind of sees through like i said sees through his like i'm trying to be you know counterculture uh anarchist mm-hmm. kind of thing um and she was like what you need to do is change them clothes <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and get you a new outfit so um she of course gets him in with um uh jumbo carnation uh this is all after she was kind of like going through a telepathic scan with him to get kind of closer and she was like you know there's this part of your mind that you never let anybody see and it shows how he was adopted and when his first when his powers first manifested he killed his parents um on accident and um how he's been kind of like living with that and he says you know i've never really shared that with anybody before and she was like thank you and he was like no thank you i appreciate you like listening to me right now um so they're kind of going through jumbo carnation is like we need to get rid of these clothes because you look a fool um (laughs) let's get you a new outfit a new look he tries on all these different costumes um some of them were homages to things that we've seen before uh one of them he's got pouches every damn where (laughs) and it's like he's like cable (laughs) another time he is um looking like wolverine and he's like no this is too mentory uh he puts on the the other kid omega costume remember there was the like the little shiar kid right wasn't oh, yeah, he uh, yeah yeah he puts on that and it's like no this is too shiar what i thought was a fun little <laughs> callback oh, um or like i think his name was kid omega uh and then they he gets his whole new costume which i really like i think i've learned that i really like a solid black and a color <laughs> and Ooh, he gets okay. this like solid black costume with like uh these pink um Omega and like really like cool streamlined lines on it or whatever. Oh, that actually like sounds kind of cute. You know, I love, I love a little pink in a um, male superhero costume. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's very um, like an X Force version of of Kid Omega, you know, versus whatever he was wearing before. Um, so yeah, I like this issue a lot. Again, the art was fantastic. Um, Joshua Kasara is is really was really really good. Um, it ends with again that peacock man, which um I think are you winning Wolverine? Yes. I don't remember if you remember in the Wolverine issue, there was that peacock man who like picked up some of Wolverine's blood. So I don't know what's yeah. really going on or what's gonna happen there. Um, but he p- appeared at the end of this issue. So I'm assuming he's gonna be the big bad across those books. 
How do you um, feel about um, Quentin Quire as a Hellion fan? Um, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I know um, a lot of people like to kind of compare them and what they do and how they act. Oh. Oh, is, is it just because they're both angsty? I didn't know that was a I thing. I think so. <laughs> I think so. There's some tension there. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Um, hmm. I don't okay. know. I never really, I never really put the two of them together because I don't see them as being similar. As I, like I said, he, uh, Kid Omega, is very much that like I am, you know, a part of counterculture. Um, you know, uh, and t- I want to antagonize people because I want to get to the root of things, or because I think I know best. <laughs> you know, that kind mm-hmm. of that kind of person. Hellion isn't. Hellion's just like a, a dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's like depth to his his jockiness, I guess you could say, but he's not like um someone that's an anarchist the way that if you take the anarchy away from from Kid Omega, then I can see maybe see the comparisons, but because he is way more into that kind of stuff, then I don't really see the two of them being similar. Okay. I do want Hellion in the book, though. That's for sure. And I guess maybe people are maybe people are upset that it should be Hellion in this book instead of Kid Omega. But um, that's what I've seen some Hellion fans say. Oh, but to be fair, there's a, like outside of you, there's like two other Hellions fans that I know. Gosh, of, no, so. See, that was shade. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> no, it was like that was that was just being real. Like I don't. I don't know a lot of Hellion fans outside of you and those two other people. And I know those two other people do not like Kid Omega because they feel like he usurps roles that could be for Julia. Uh, I disagree with that. But I do think that it would be interesting if Hellion did join X-Force while Quentin was there. I think the the two of them butting heads would be interesting to see because I think that (laughs) it would probably get annoying that... (laughs) Hellion is good with his telekinesis and and Quentin isn't like a big telekinetic kind of person. So, uh, I mean, he has the power, but he doesn't have the skill that Hellion has. So it would be like a big <laughs> battle. I could probably see Quentin yeah. being like, well, I could do that too. And then not going well. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Great issue. Definitely recommend it. All right. Next up, we have Excalibur 18. From Teeny Howard and Marcus Tell. Mm. Now, we do. I've been ready we to do. talk about this for a while. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get into. Now, yeah, this, I will. This is your so, book. So I will say, like, as a Betsy fan, obviously, I'm so I'm enjoying the story. Mm-hmm. Now, Betsy's story. Betsy's because she's the only one that no, got one. So the, I mean, yes. So the story. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, so I've I've kind of been like going. I I read the issue like a couple of times. I mean, I tend to do that with most of my comics. I read them multiple times, especially before we talk about them. And so, I will die on the hill that this book has probably been consistently decent narratively since issue twelve. Since like issue 12, when Betsy walked in that Citadel and like told Saturnine, I'm the only Captain Britain you've got. And like we moved into X of Swords, like it has been consistently written, um, especially when it comes to Betsy's story, especially when it yes. comes to Betsy's story. Um, yeah. I, I think that 
there are two things that are really starting to hinder it for me. That is the art, which I spoke a little bit about last week. I just think that both Howard and Toe are too kind of green in the industry so far that they're not able to really work off of each other too well to like pick up the slack on the strength of her weakness in dialogue and his kind of weakness in art. I, again, I compare a lot of this to Excalibur issue 13, which had Silva on art and was like infinitely well-received, infinitely more well-received than like any of these previous ones have been, which people have been saying are getting better when they read them. The second part is the cast. <laughs> and I know that has been <laughs> a big thing for a lot of people that, you know, no one else does anything. And I would always compare the title to like Marauders. And I, I so I went on a little bit like of a Twitter right, right this morning that was like, because of some conversations that I saw happening around my TL, plus some things that people had messaged me. People tend to message me a lot about the what they enjoy in comics, which I love. I always yes, I love it. that. I love talking <laughs> about comics to people. And so, you know, I was coming to this point with Excalibur. I was like, you know, it's similar to Marauders in that the story is only focusing around Betsy and at one point in time, Apocalypse. And Marauders tends to center around Kitty and Emma and everyone mm -hmm. else is kind of like on the outside. And a few of the people that I talked to, I was like, I think they're coming to the realization that they don't actually like Betsy. And I that's think so too. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, people are realizing that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're coming to realize that they're like they don't like Betsy, which is like absolutely perfectly fine. And that the people that they want to read the book for aren't getting any shine. And I was like, oh yeah, no, I totally get that because I read Marauders and I don't really enjoy it that much because like the people I'm reading for Bishop Iceman don't get to do anything. And the Hellfire machinations of Emma and Kitty just aren't that interesting to me. Right. And so Craig, Twitter user Omni Shambles, everyone should follow him. He is like a really great person. He has yes. really well thought out comic insight book, on comic the book comic book series. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> you know, when I was like, kind of going on my rant about like, I don't think people, everyone likes Bessie. He's like, no, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, he kind of lets me know his issues with the book in terms of like the writing and the story that's taking place and how it can kind of get incoherent. And so again, it kind of just made me take a deeper look into the two books as a whole and go back and do some reading between the two of them. And that's why I say that since issue 12, I will completely agree that I think people feel as though I have a blind loyalty to this book because Betsy is my favorite character, which is like not the case whatsoever. Like if a book is bad, I'm gonna say it's bad. I you know that don't apply to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I know you know. <laughs> I know you know. I know you know I know. Uh, but you know, I do feel like some other people do. And so it's like, I never want that to be the case. I don't think Excalibur is a bad book. I would say that I think it is a frustrating book. I think that- <laughs> Yeah, frustrating is a better word. I think that is an extremely frustrating book because you get all these parts again. So even in this issue, it kind of feels like we're getting a refresh of what mutant magic is. And for those people who have kind of been waiting for it to be like fireballs and beams and all that stuff. No, it's being explained that mutant magic is a new way of life. It's kind of like following things of Krakoa to like create new practices in different areas for the mutants there. It is the combination of their powers making them stronger. It is the evolution, it is the growth. You get kind of this insight into Betsy's mind of where she is and like how she's back in her original body and like what she's kind of do. Of course, we have like this kind of phantom Betsy going around. We don't know who it is. Rogue is running around screaming about how she's so worried. 
and this she shut off um and how was she is that worry i thought that they liked each other we child we can <laughs> <laughs> um and so basically you know Psylocke at least two, betsy didn't like rogue Psylocke 2 jumps on the scene and she kind of confirms that like the Betsy that is attacking them is in fact not Betsy Braddock and they need a real psychic to watch their back so we're like getting this introspective thing on it and again the story stays strong like it stays well not strong it stays consistent with what it's been since issue 12 for Betsy the second part of that again like I was saying is this cast you are waiting for these characters to kind of connect with each other. You think that they should connect with each other. You see like Rogue and Jubilee and Betsy and you remember like, oh, they were on the team together in the 90s and like they should have all this history. You see like Richter who kind of like knows all of them peripherally. Um, again, you had Apocalypse on the team and he had history with like Gambit and he does all of these things and it's just not clicking. And you're just like, why are these people not talking? Why don't they seem as close as they say that they are? And again, it's like you said, like why is Rogue running around so worried about Betsy, her and Betsy, like think of it, you can you can't think of a heart to heart conversation that Rogue and Betsy have ever had prior to Excalibur. No, and it's be <laughs> they've been on teams. <laughs> they've been on teams together. Yes, yes. But like so they, not enough for her to be like, this is my this is my girl. I gotta yeah. go save my girl. And it's like, <laughs> even when they do kind of talk, it's almost kind of um like in an antagonistic way they're like they're typically like fighting or like sparring together like it's it, they're butting heads in some form or fashion it very much gives off like we're only friends because we have mutual friends but then it, when you think about it a lot of the female characters that betsy is closest with rogue isn't friends with <laughs> like <laughs> right dazzler is betsy's best friend um when rogue first when rogue and betsy were on the team together in the outback it was like when rogue was kind of a brat and so betsy didn't get along with her and she was closer with the carol danvers personality you know speak her and her and storm were like ride or dies and like i don't know are rogue and storm close i don't know i feel like you i don't know i feel like again that's a case of like they've been around each other but i can't really think of like any of heart to heart kind of moments or thing like that where yeah. they had so you know, connection yeah. like that and so it's kind of like yeah you look at rogue and betsy and it's like y'all don't even like really get y'all really hang with each other like that and so the person who actually should be taking the spot that rogue is doing is jubilee who is actually close with betsy like mm -hmm. she helped save her from the first time like she was on the x-men she was with wolverine oh, yeah. when she was first changed like they actually yeah, have she was there yeah. <laughs> yeah they like bonded like rogues i mean jubilee should be the one running around like why does nobody care where is she but she's so busy being like a mom and then you have richter who while i do actually kind of enjoy the relationship that teeny is trying to build between betsy and richter just because it's new um like the way he was calling her out on like some of her privileges and earlier issues and she they've been she's kind of been protective of him this richter just feels like a completely different character it is a whole different character. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, okay, like, it's nice that you're building this, but it's like, it's also weird because it's like, this just isn't the Richter that I know. And so then you have Gambit, who is just completely useless on this team. And again, you're looking at him, it's like, him, Gambit, him and Betsy have never been super close. And then when you think about some of the male characters who Betsy is closest with, uh, Wolverine, Bishop, Warren, those are all people who Gambit doesn't get along with. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like that, and that's where Marauders differs 
for me when it, with Excalibur. So it's like, even though Marauders kind of underutilizes his cast also, at least when Iceman or Bishop do randomly appear, it actually works and you still feel some type of like connection with the team because they are mm-hmm. close with like Emma and Kitty and Storm and whoever, like, yeah, those are relationships. So Excalibur is falling flat because it's like, why, why are these people here? <laughs> right right <laughs> and so it's just kind of like and so and that's why and again that's why i feel when you get to the stuff with betsy and the Brodick family it feels so much stronger like and everything is great and it reads really well because it's like oh these are characters who are actually connected and like teeny is really doing a good job at that so it's like i think the book will always kind of suffer as long as this cast is here because you can replace some of these people. You can still honestly have them in the background and do nothing if that's just what you're going to do. That's perfectly fine. Um, But they need to be characters who can actually connect with the person who you're telling this main story about. Yeah. I wish that they, if the main story is this is going to be Betsy and Mutant Magic, um, if they don't have a connection to Betsy, which I don't think a lot of these characters do, Jubilee does, like we just discussed. Um, there was someone on Twitter, I can't think about their name right now, but they told me that they feel like Rogue is the type of person who all of her teammates she looks at as like being close to her, but that doesn't always mean that the other person is looking at her the same way, which I can totally <laughs> agree with that. I think that, you know, Rogue probably looks at Betsy like, oh, you know, that's Betsy. You know, we go back. But <laughs> Betsy is like, girl, we're not friends, um, which I think is <laughs> to- totally valid. I don't think I don't think everybody has to be, you know, these tight friends in this kumbaya circle together. Um, and again, they don't and, no, they don't have sorry. a connection with with Betsy they should have some kind of connection to this mutant magic thing. So I know there was a talk of whether or not Rogue was trying to have kids in the beginning. Maybe there was something she was trying to use mutant magic to like, I don't know. I don't know if she has control over her powers or not because I don't know what's going on there, but if she doesn't, maybe she could use mutant magic to like get some kind of control over her powers or something. Or, um, you know, uh, maybe, uh, is Rachel really in this book or was she kind of only just in there just to be used for her telepathy to give Rachel, I mean, it's rogue powers. I think she was just used to give her powers, but you know, um, Tina, Leah and Vita are all very close. So they tend to kind of use each other's characters in their books okay. also. That makes sense. Um, but like, or Richter, I guess he is kind of exploring mutant magic, but it's kind of falling a little flat to me because he's feeling like a completely different character. I would have rather have seen if there was this thing about how his powers weren't really working in the beginning and like, you know, Apocalypse helped him. We still don't really know what actually happened. Maybe then we could kind of see that he was like learning how mutant magic helped stabilize his powers, you know, and it's not magic in the literal sense of like a power. It's for me, it feels like she's talking about magic in like a, not a literal sense, but like a, like a, uh, as a concept. So like so the, anything where people are doing things of the impossible, it's like, that's considered magic because it is like, it is magical that you're able to do these things is different than like what the baseline should be. That's a, 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 at least that's how I've been interpreting it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that's pretty much it. So the way I've been going in and when you go, and so a big thing that's also helped me is that like I've had to go back into the data pages and kind of read it because that's where a lot of the explanation of the mutant magic is happening. And that's why I say that Excalibur is kind of a frustrating book and why I feel like the art could help some with certain things because there are certain, like to your point about Richter and like Apocalypse and them helping each other, there are certain things in times where they were together saying things that I felt like the art could have kind of helped explain that better like with gestures that they were making or like in the way they were standing or just communicating with each other that don't really get shown and um when it comes to mutant magic so the way i read it is again like i said mutant magic it kind of is a new way of life the krakoan gates since they have been built have been giving off energy and mutant magic comes from harnessing that energy, which is different from like humans who find it from mystical means and things like that. And so when these mutants like kind of harness that energy together within that circle, it makes their power stronger. And it's why like in 18, uh, Richter talks about rogue channeling the energy. It's why Apocalypse had rogue siphon that energy from the gate in the very beginning, because it was building up to help crash the portal that was in Otherworld, um, you know, and then we do things like where he needs the Warwolf heads to actually help empower them. And so it kind of gives, it, like, that's why mutant magic in itself is like a very interesting concept because it is a lot of things you can do with it, especially with these mutants combining their powers and using this energy. It gets frustrating because it just hasn't been that well explained. <laughs> and so and then and, and it's like and it's, it's, it's because of the fact that teeny and teeny wrote it intentionally that way because the thing is she wanted people to kind of figure it out for themselves but i think you know she kind of overestimated the amount of information that the audience would already have in terms of like what magic is as a concept so I think yeah. there needed to, there needed to be a little bit more hand holding in her explanation, and I feel like she's trying to rectify that with this current arc, which again has been very strong or as strong as it has been for the last few issues. It just feels out of place. Like this should have been happening in the beginning. Yes, this definitely should have been happening in the beginning. Um, uh, but I I get the whole. I feel like they probably just had to come back to it because X of Swords probably kind of you know rocked it out of yeah. its order this probably could have happened directly after the apocalypse stuff in the beginning um before x of swords and then we kind of would have gotten a little bit more into like the mutant magic before we just got you know halted by that but um but then again x of swords also like kind of helped this book for me i don't know um again and and, and that was when um that was when issue 12, like it was like the prelude to X of Swords. Like that's yeah. when this, you know, I've always kind of said like the first 12 issues of Excalibur <laughs> are frustrating. And a lot of it was to set up for X of Swords. And I feel like everything since X of Swords has been narratively consistently riding a wave. It's just like the big two things that are still kind of like holding it back from achieving what could be potential greatness is any stronger artist to help pick up the slack of where the story kind of falls and it needs a better cast to actually anchor it emotionally. Now, I also know that, you know, people feel how they want to about Gambit. Not everybody's a fan, mm. but regardless, we all have to agree that his thief costume is gross, right? All the because costumes in this game. <laughs> <laughs> Because even if you don't like him, he don't deserve to be in that. Like, like it's, 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 it's truly time. And like one my honestly, my biggest hope for this book, you know, I got it. I understand why we were doing it. 
X of Swords is over. It is time for this book to get a overhaul in terms of the aesthetic. The Dungeons and Dragons theme does not work. I And I've said that from the beginning. Like, I actually really enjoy Betsy's Cat and Britain costume, but I've always said that she needed something else because it will not fit outside of the theme of this book. I remember that... Um, that variant, that cover Mark Brooks did for the Fantastic Four and X-Men miniseries that was going on. And like he had yes, Betsy yes. in his Captain Britain suit on it. And it's like, oh, okay, like these are all very big, important X-Men. It's like, it's great that Betsy's on that, but it's like, she also still kind of looks out of place in this like magical armor with everybody running around in spandex. <laughs> right, right. She looking like a knight while um, everybody just looks like superheroes. And it's like, and I think it's easy to do for this book. Excalibur has always been that thing that kind of rides like the magical multiversal space wave. So I think you can do a lot of stuff with that. I personally, you know, I'm a big fan of like an all black starry type of costume. I would love something kind of along those lines in there. If we can get that or, um, you know, just, just if they want to be like magic space nights or something, like it works. It's actually interesting <laughs> how I think this book and sword could actually like combine a lot of their stuff that they have going on especially like in terms of like sword uh and we'll talk about that again when we get sword but like sword how it's doing like space and like these different universes and other world being this gateway to the multiverse and like going through all of these different spaces but you know that's that's an idea I've the got. concept huh I think you probably just want this book to be as good as Sword, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe I want to see Al Ewing write a little bit of Betsy. Huh? <laughs> I won't lie about that. Um, but overall, I do think this is Excalibur 18. I think it is fine. I think mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I think it is consistently fine. Mm-hmm. It's time for art change. It's time for the cast to be moved around, and it's and it, and it was it would be an easy thing to do that I feel like you can even have Pixie in this book. Pix, Pixie and Betsy are literally closer than Pixie and Gambit. I mean, than Betsy and Gambit are. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, there should there is no reason that Pixie shouldn't be in this book, other than the fact that she's about to be in that Way of X book. Um, yeah. But I don't know if you can really move this cast around to other books because I'm not really sure where you would place a lot of them. I just think they just need stories, which I think you can get out of this book. You just have to do it. <laughs> so honestly, and and I'm I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't think any of the other characters outside of Richter, who again kind of feels like a new character, I don't think there's any story you can tell with Rogue, Gambit, or Jubilee in this book. Nothing. There was I no like. I just I just I do not see it whatsoever. I don't think they fit with the whole. Sense what if of what if Rogue was like trying to magic. bring back? Um, figure out destiny or whatever and with magic could you give her that story like her figuring out where's destiny i don't see it (laughs) i mean (laughs) i mean i i can see that story for a rogue asking where's destiny but i don't necessarily think that has to be an excalibur like i think she can do that right you know what i'm saying um right i i just i don't think any of these characters fit in this book and i think they should all be moved and new ones should be brought in ones again who either have a connection to Betsy mm-hmm. or who just fit the entire theme of like the mutant culture and connection of energies and magic and all of that stuff. All of these characters are too separated from each other to do that. Rogue is also really popular, so she could be helping like, you know, push the book. So 
I feel like that is a big perk for her to be in it. I just don't know where else you would kind of put her or Jubilee. Granted, anybody could be on Marauders, but like literally anybody could be on that. <laughs> Again, you do you even really want to be over there? Because the only people being used are, <laughs> are Emma and Shadowcat. But um, I just wasn't sure where you can kind of really place others. Um, so I don't really again, I feel like, like they could get some. I feel like it, at this point, I feel like they could be in the book. They just need something to do, something of importance to do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was Excalibur 18. And so ending mm-hmm. the list off, Sword number three. Loved it. Fantastic. Loved it. You know, um, I don't, I don't, am I an Owl E-Wing fanboy? Do I come off yes, like one? You are one. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta come off like shit. You are one. Um, you know, when you're hot, you're hot. I can't. Yeah, I mean, I, can't. I mean, when, when you got it, I, I, you know, I will always give the people their due. Yeah. He's got it. Yeah. Um, what an issue for Manifold. Manifold fans won to, uh, this week. Yeah, they did, because this issue was great. I felt like, you know, we never really get any kind of Manifold. I'm not like a, a big Manifold fan, but, you know, I like him. He's, um, I liked when he was on the he's Avengers cool. and stuff. He's fun. He's cool. Um, but again, he's just one of those characters that was just always there, usually because they just needed a teleporter. Um, again, he is in this book because of his teleporting abilities. However, he is being used, <laughs> you know, and actually getting some kind of shine, which I think is important for when you have a, a cast, which, you know, we just discussed. Um, <laughs> everybody's got a place and a duty and a role to play. Um, so you see him kind of bounce around. Also, I felt like the art in this was really good. Yeah, Valerio CG is like amazing. And then he had um, Valerio doing colors. Like, yeah. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. I really love Valerio. I think I think I might be a Valerio stan. <laughs> so, no, I definitely am. And so, um, I first came across Valerio like years, years, years ago. He, and I think I said this before, he drew Journey into Mystery when oh, okay. uh, Catherine Amon was writing it and the story was centering around Sif. And so, like, to watch him go from that where I loved his art, it was thought it was great there to like where it is now. It's fantastic. It's just been like a joy to see. He's amazing. I remember yeah, once I actually dope. tweeted him. So this was around the time when Betsy was wearing that Chris Anka suit. Mm. I like tweeted him. I was like, oh, I would love to see like you draw this. I would love to see you draw Betsy. And he like drew a sketch of her in the costume. Oh, that's cool. Just yeah. right then and there? Oh, that's just cool. Just right then and there. I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> I was like yeah. I was like, that's dope. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome come on original uh, Vallejo work um, yeah so in this issue you see him like teleporting and bouncing all around you see him go back to um, Australia and uh, you know meetups with some old friends I guess you can kind of call them um, and I've always been confused about his connection to Gateway um, but I like the fact that they said that he was like uh, I mean, they didn't really necessarily confirm that that was like his father or anything like that, which I liked. Um, I don't, again, I don't think everybody with the same powers have to be connected to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and, but I did like that, you know, he was, he's supposed to be like an elder as in like just an older guy that he probably respects or whatever. Um, yeah. Because they do have somewhat similar powers and you learn that, you know, Manifold isn't necessarily a teleporter in the traditional sense that he is actually like communicating with space and 
you know, Brand says that he's telling it what to do, but he says that he's just asking it what to do, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense that because, you know, a manifold is like when things are like crashing all around each other and like, you know, all that energy and stuff, which is what his powers are. Um, now, he had been like bopping around and doing like some secret mission and like trying to get like these aliens to come and help out with the whole null king and black situation again mm-hmm. um ewing has a very very g- great way of tying in a book to like the main uh plot or whatever the main story that's going on for his tie-in issues but not have it take away from his book um because again this was a king and black tie-in but it didn't feel that way um, at all, at it felt all. Very much it felt very I much like forgot until we got to the end. <laughs> <laughs> right it was very much a like manifold focused issue um and you know it because earth is shut off from everyone there's you, they can't communicate and it's been you know taken over by null um they are out in space and manifold is trying to communicate with these aliens to see if they would come and help out and return he was going to give them mutants which um they said that they volunteered this like a uh, lifter and burner were their names some random mutants i'm assuming that ewing made up i don't think they've ever been no like, i think used. they've existed before what <laughs> yeah <laughs> really? I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they've existed before I, i'll look it up but i i'm i'm, I'm my d my d-list senses were tingling like i'm pretty sure i've heard those names before I've okay read something i believe before. you you be knowing about the most random characters <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you probably know their whole backstory. It'll come. It's to honestly me. why I it's honestly why I love Al Ewing because he pulls the he most does. obscure characters from out of nowhere, and I'm just like, yes, the treasure yeah, trove. <laughs> and use and utilizes them in great ways. So like they were going to be, they offered themselves to be used and taken by these uh, aliens who they have been kind of harvesting super powered bee people because they want to use their powers and make their own kind of weapons with these people. They don't even have a planet. They just have like ships because they're just going around collecting all these people. Um, and they decline because they said, uh, Null is taking out a bunch of our enemies and we don't even have a planet. <laughs> and our enemies <laughs> have planets. So why would we take out Null? Who's going to take out our enemies? Okay. <laughs> Which I thought was a very great point. Um, so that didn't even work out the way that Manifold thought that it would. He ends up like coming back and spying on um, Henry Gyrick, which is Gyrick has always been around like since I don't even know a long time ago from the yeah. Avengers days way back in the day and he's been the government liaison for superheroes but he like hates them <laughs> so um, it's always so, they always do don't they don't they and uh, so he's been the the person who's been connecting sword with the US government now he has this whole phone call with someone and uh he's been going over like oh you know i've got the schematics here i'm like looking at it but it's the redacted form form and manifold gets these really cool abilities with his powers which um my physics nerd (laughs) jumped out (laughs) because it all it all makes sense like the physics of it um so he uses because he's able to bend space in order that's how he like teleports um if you bend the space around you and don't let light come through it, that's how you create like invisibility, but it's an invisibility, like not necessarily a cloak because he also can't see through that space, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So like 
he's covered in this warped um this warped energy this like invisibility field but he also can't see through it himself so he has to like kind of make a peephole for himself to leak, peep out through which i thought was really cool um also if he's not letting light in um on his end with the on his side of that invisibility cloak it's supposed to be dark um so his his invisibility powers were completely different than like a sue storm who she just lets light like pass through her. I don't know. I'm getting super like science with it. <laughs> you, are, you know, that is not my forte. Uh, that's that's my thing. But <laughs> um, anyway, um, I thought that that was really, really cool. So shout out to Ewing. He like does his research for this stuff. I he, thought that that was dope. <laughs> um, and so he like makes his people when he's been like watching Gyrek. And sure enough, Gyrek has plans for like Orcus. And um, X-Men fans know what Orcus is. We saw that back in um, Hawks uh, House of X and Powers of X. And, you know, it's the all of the human people <laughs> coming together to have their own uh, organization against superpowered beings, uh, mutants and all of that. But um, Manifold leaves too early and misses out on, the, on hearing Gyrick say that Oh, you know, this is all I can get from my mole in shield. Mm-hmm. I mean, in sword, which I thought was really cool that you're like, oh, man, we we now know that there's a mole there. But, you know, Manifold, if he would have stayed for an extra second, he would have heard that, too. Um, so I thought that was a really dope setup. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he returns and shit hits the fan <laughs> because, again, it looks like the next issue will also be a king in black how long is king in black that's what i'm saying (laughs) it's too long this is not like it's not okay anymore i'm writing a letter (laughs) it's time yeah i'm writing a letter to marvel today (laughs) and i'm saying enough (laughs) and make sure it's all filled out right because it's time we gotta move on (laughs) um so you know you mentioned something about manifold and his relation to gateway and one thing that i've kind of really realized i would like is uh and we were talking about marauders a little bit earlier so that's again my thing about this is bishop and a deep dive into his like family and his relationships because i've been thinking about him a lot and how shard is like one of the few mutants who cannot come back to krakoa because she technically died before they came back so xavier never would have been able to get a imprint of her oh yeah that's right um but we have been told by chris claremont via extreme x-men that gateway is bishop's great grandfather i think or like he's a great great grand- they're related oh um, yeah and so you know i i would it love to see kind of what would go on with like bishop finding some agency in this current present time because i think that's the big thing that's been with like his character he's always felt a little detached from everybody because like he is from the future he knows what's going on blah 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 blah, blah. um finally kind of getting some family and just some more delving into his parentage. And like, it will also be cool to see Gateway, Manifold and Bishop all together interacting. Yeah, I think that there's a, a larger issue there that we'll probably have to talk about when we get to the panel about um, black characters. Um, but um, I feel like, I didn't know that, they, I wonder if Bishop like is, is he born yet in our timeline, right? I don't. I shouldn't ask. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> you know that is like yeah. not the question to ask. <laughs> forget, forget it. That's just that's doing too deep. Yeah. Um. But I liked Sword a lot. Uh. This issue. Um. Ewing. It's, def- it's definitely. It's definitely coming for X Men. Spot is the best X Men. 
I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> oh, I it's coming. It's coming. You better get ready. You better get ready. Oh, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm definitely you, in. You, you fought me on this when I first said that X-Men was the best X-Book. All right. You no, I didn't. X-Men was did. X-Men. What else me. would I say was the best X-Book other than X-Men? There was something else. I'm pretty sure it was X-Force probably, actually. Absolutely uh, not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, Number one has always been X Men. Hickman. Well, baby. people, people <laughs> were fighting. Me. Oh, that is true. You are Hickman. People were people were fighting me about X Men being the ex- best X book. People were still me. fighting me actually. To this day. <laughs> and let me tell you, I'm I'm gonna die on that hill, and until until Sword overtakes it, then uh, I don't know <laughs> oh, about that one. God. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, so those are the books. Oh, do you read a book called Low from Image? I don't. No, I don't. I've seen stuff about that, though, right? Isn't that Remender? It is Remender and Greg Tocchini um, on art. So basically, it's Earth dies because of, like, radiation, and it becomes too hot to live. So all of the people retreat under the ocean. Like, they have, like, hydrodomes and things like that and all this stuff. So, But while they also do that, they sent these things out into space to try and find a place that was hospitable for them. And so they finally come back to Earth. And since it was made to withstand the pressures of deep space, it can withstand the pressures of the ocean. So someone has to go back up to the surface to like get the probes to bring them down so they can like start to study and all that stuff like that. Where the book is now, the probes have like been found and they're going to the next part of it. But I'll just ask you, I think it's something that you would be interested in. Okay, maybe I have to check that out there. It, it's like very far. It's like it's like on its twenty six issue or something like that. But oh wow! Also, okay, yeah, but you know, like how image books are, it kind of takes a while for them to come uh, out anyway. So it's yeah. something. It's just something that I thought. You know, I read issue twenty six. It was good. So that's why. Okay. I <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe I check that out there. Um, but that was all the comics for the week. You know, let's go ahead and take a break. Let's do it. All right, everybody, welcome back um, to another relaunch. We're going to do the panel section this week. And this week, I wanted to talk about Black DC characters, you know. Okay, Black History Month. Yeah, you know, it's Black History Month. You know, I wanted to have a Black-focused panel this week and specifically focus on uh, the DC characters because there's a lot across, you know, all the other people, too. So I wanted to give everybody this time to, like, shine. So with DC and their Black characters, you know, they their very first black superhero was you know my fave john stewart <laughs> mm-hmm. um but i feel like they don't really have as many like prominent black characters um as say a marvel does and mm-hmm. you know i kind of just wanted to give a quick talk about that so first off who are like some of your favorite black characters black dc characters a couple okay Okay. Let yeah. me see what you got. Um, so I love, I don't think it's, I love Cyborg, obviously. Oh, okay. I didn't know that actually. Yeah. I did a relaunch okay. on Cyborg. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I remember now. <laughs> I love Cyborg. Um, again, I'm a huge New Teen Titans fan that entire era. Right. I think Cyborg, right. I like John's Titans. Um, I've said this stuff about Just League. I actually find Cyborg immensely in- interesting. I just don't think he's ever given anything to do. Um, Vixen. Obviously, mm. we all know yeah, I love a doll. I love a pretty yeah. girl. 
great powers, great potential. Um, always gonna just have her down. Black Lightning is also another character who I really enjoy. I think okay. he's been a very, cons- he's been consistent across DC as like being an important staple while also still being a little underrated and to mm-hmm. like what he does and the prominence he gets. But I'll never forget during that one era, it's this like Justice League page it has the Trinity and Black Lightning standing together. And oh, it's just okay. like, um, it was like when Hawk Girl and Roy finally joined the Titans that entire era. Mm-hmm. Um, and it like, it felt right. Like you just look at the panel, it's just like, yes, Black Lightning should be standing next to these people. And even when you think about him in certain media, the television show he has, him and Young Justice, like he feels important. And so it's like, I've always really appreciated that for him. I love his kids, Thunder and Lightning. I think they're both great. Yeah, um, I love them. Joaquin Power from the JSA, he was really fun. I I actually found out he came back in the Rebirth era, but like, it's 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 getting very <laughs> much hey fellow kids and like oh he, no, he's like he's he's like a very stereotypical black youth team. He's got oh like, no, it's just like okay, this is happening. <laughs> um, obviously, I think one of the biggest ones is for me is always going to be Aqualad Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Is you it know, specifically you, Jackson versus like, like Calderon? Do you, do you no, differentiate the two? I do differentiate the two, but I don't really have a specific like difference in love for the two characters. I think, you know, you've known me for a very long time. And anyone yeah. who's followed me for a very long time knows that like I am a huge Aquaman fan. It has been my thing. Like one of the very first comics I got into. Love the character. I love the ocean in general. I love water and things like that. So it was like, it always resonated. I mean, Jackson is me. basically you. <laughs> okay, so like legit. I'll never forget when the Young Justice cartoon came out and like Jackson was on there. And I was like, DC like definitely stole my likeness. <laughs> threw some blonde hair on it. And yeah. was like, this is, this is like. Keenan. This is how we're so going to steal his Nike likeness. Just throw some yeah, blonde hair on it. <laughs> I was like, this is what we're like doing right now. And so I was like, they definitely made me as a combo character. And so like, and that's why it was like so funny when the Rebirth era came about. About and they made Jackson gay. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was like, no, because it's like, no, you're like really, like you're really trying me right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. like, you're le- like you're legit putting me in a comic book and like trying to like, pass it off with someone else. Um, and so it's like, yeah. you know, that is, he's always going to be up there for me, like no matter what. You know, I know a lot of people talk about comic book representation mattering and like having one character who they kind of like click with i know static was always a really big one for you yeah static um, was a really big one for me you know like the same way i was just like aqualad is literally you static when i was a kid and probably even now was literally just me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like um he is a nerdy kid who likes science <laughs> and rap music um and likes to read comic books but also play video games that's all me <laughs> and, uh, you know and he was also like not like some crazy like jock kind of type character but he also mm-hmm. wasn't like um the kind of pushover nerd either i don't know it felt like me <laughs> like it, yeah. it felt it felt very like i saw myself being represented in in static um so that's he's definitely one of my favorites I was like this kind of like cool, reserved kid because you know I, I was a little mean back in the day. Well, I, I wasn't mean back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, 
people say things. I don't know. <laughs> they do. They be talking know. child. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, some of my other favorites were obviously John Stewart is one of my. It's funny how like yeah. the the characters that you named that lined up were kind of lined up with mine as well. Like when you said, mm-hmm. um, you know, Black Lightning, mine would be John Stewart. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, John to me was always a favorite because again, kind of like with that representation thing, like I saw the black character yeah. and. Um, as a kid, I was mostly kind of drawn to people's powers more so than the characters per se. Um, so if you had powers that I liked, then I would get into you that way versus now I'm more so interested in the story and the character and how they reflect and relate to me versus, you know, when I was a kid, I just like the flashy powers or whatever. So, mm-hmm. uh, when, as a kid, Green Lantern, I like those abilities or whatever. I think they're, they're really cool. And John Stewart, being a black one, I was like, okay, cool. I like that one because I look like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. And then when I started to read up on his background and stuff, he felt like a real character to me. And he felt like me, where it was, I am black and I want everybody to know that I'm black and I'm just out here doing the best that I can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's pretty much John. And he is, he's always been like the level-headed one and like really stops and thinks things out, which has always been kind of me not really rushing into something and, and, and thinking first. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes to his own detriment where you overthink um, and you're a little overcautious. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I really liked John. I also really liked Vixen. Um, Vixen is a character to me, which I think kind of needs an update and um i think that that kind of happens with a lot of black characters where they get stuck in whatever kind of mode that they were kind of introduced as uh they never really get to like evolve because Mm -hmm. the writers who write them usually are white and they are going to write them the way that they remember them as kids or you know And that's usually them being stuck in the 80s, <laughs> okay. which can which can be very annoying. And I feel like Vixen... And that was turning into the 90s and they did... Exactly. They were prominent <laughs> in the 90s. So it's like, you're not <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Very that. Um, and I feel like Vixen is one that could easily be updated. Um, like her whole model motif or whatever, I feel like that should... I feel like they don't look at like real life examples, you know, mm-hmm. how many other like models, but all they did their whole life was only model. A lot of them end up when they becoming big moguls, they have other avenues that they go in makeup, um, a clothing line, anything like that. I think that she could, they could easily have her be like, have a multitude of things for her to do. But again, that would require someone to actually like look into that and, and make something more of it. Um, Bishop, kind of like what you said before uh, has this problem that a lot of the DC characters I think have, and that's not having a family or like, Mm. um, or like a connected history. The one thing about John is he has a lot of space stories, um, but his earth stories don't really, you don't really ever get to see a lot of like John and his life outside of being a green lantern and what that means for him do you know what i mean like you yeah. um he's older person, like, 
like who's he dating? Yeah, like a baby mama somewhere. Anything like that. Like he he has dated before. He's been married before, but it was all like alien stuff. It wasn't anything, Mm -hmm. which is fine. That's great. And I'm sure there's a story you can tell there. But I feel like to kind of make them feel a little bit more black, you got to show a little bit of their history and show a little bit of like what they're connected to um, outside of what does what does being a black superhero mean to them? Like, okay, we get that. (laughs) Now we Mm want to see like them be a black superhero. Um, yeah. And I think one way you could start is really like trying to give them like some of their, some, some family or some kind of connection mm-hmm. to it. It's like, it, I think that's a big reason why those other history of the DC universe issues hit so heavy for us, because mm-hmm. like we saw that really like grounded who, what, like you're a black superhero. What does that actually mean? Like you dig into the mindset of like, like you said, it was mainly about black lightning, but we got a little bit of John Stewart and you kind of got to see his mm-hmm. point of view of how he was and how he was that first black superhero and doing things. We got to see Bumblebee and Mal and how they felt being like the kind of left out black Titans and what that meant for them and how that looked. And I think it's something that a lot of the DC characters can go for. Um, I think that it happens with a lot of them that they get stuck in like the mold of like kind mm-hmm. of like who you say. So like DC DC characters in general kind of like get stuck in the mold of like what they're supposed to be because you're constantly rebooting. And I think the black characters are both kind of at a benefit and disadvantage for this because mm-hmm. it's like the reboots happen a lot, but they get left out of a lot of them. So you don't have as many different iterations to work off of. So it's a little bit easier to center their personalities and like who they are than it is for some of these other ones. Right. And, or build them it's up like they could, they could go off of, off of an old example because that's the only example out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, build them into something new. But I think, I think it's kind of like you said, um, you know, a lot of those people who were writing comics, they remember them from when they were kids in the eighties. And it's like, then they stopped appearing. And so a lot of, a lot of people who are writing comics now were like reading, oh, I mean, yeah, writing comics now were reading in the 90s and these characters weren't really there. And so it's mm-hmm. got to come to a thing where it's just talks about a problem as a whole that's bigger, where you have to get more Black people and other people of color into the writer's room and yes. writing these books. And I've talked about it before where I remember Christopher Priest did an interview and he said, like, he didn't want to be the Black writer. You know, he didn't only want to write Black comic book characters. And it was like, okay, like, I kind of get what you're going for. But at the same time, like, nobody else is going to write these people. So Right, right. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to do something with them, please, sir. It's like, I get what you're trying to go for. But these stories won't really start to feel as grounded and authentic as they can be until you start getting those people to write them. Yeah, I think that... Um you have to start getting more black people in the room to actually add that black experience to the characters. Otherwise they just feel like, you know, um, fan service or like you're just trying to like fill a quota. Um, and I would prefer for the characters to feel a lot more authentic and feel more real. Um, <clears throat> I think that there are some characters that they could obviously do a lot more with, um, than others, but I, I think that there, a lot of them can really just start to get, <laughs> real pushes um a problem that i end up having with a lot of the black characters is they come across like a stereotype um or 
or they are written in a way where the writer is trying to make them cool, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it comes across like you kind of said that whole "Hey, fellow kids" thing. Like, you know, um, why we don't need, you know, uh, Vixen making an Idris Elba like joke or comparison. Yeah. <laughs> we really don't. And I mean, that happened to her in most recent. Uh, that truth and justice book and i was like this is weird like oh, you know by jeff thorne oh yeah that's right yeah see <laughs> yeah. so and then so and i don't want and i don't want this to sound like i guess ages in a way but i really think especially now in this current age that marvel and dc have to start reaching out to younger new talent for their writing they're like kind of consistently going back to the older writers who they've always had who wrote books in the 70s and the 80s which is fine like they can absolutely still write books if they need to but you also have to you can't let them be the only ones because you're not getting they're still writing like they're in the 70s and 80s sometimes and it's like it's just not going to work and these characters aren't going to connect with the modern readers comic books have changed a lot Mm -hmm. like the way that they're written the way that they're produced the way that they're sold the way that they're consumed the market itself has changed the type of people who are reading them has changed you're getting brand new fans I'll, i'll admit the movies probably don't bring in like many comic books many people to comic books but i'm pretty sure like out of they, 15, they could if they started marketing them that way okay <laughs> <laughs> um you know but i'm pretty sure for like every 15 mcu or dceu fan you'll find like two who might want to read a comic book and then you know that younger person is going to read something and they're going to see like you said vixen talking about idris elba and <laughs> or they're going to see vixen talking i don't i don't know who do, who do the young people like like justin bieber yeah, <laughs> I don't like, think the kids like him no more. But I get your point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, don't nobody want to read about Vixen talking about Justin Bieber. Like, it's just not like, and and it's like, no, you can't do that. So it's like you have to find these people who are a little bit younger, who are a little bit more connected to what's going on, who aren't sitting back on Twitter talking about Magneto is like Hitler or whatever Jeff Thorne says. That's ridiculous um you know you're, you're just a little out of touch and it's yeah. cool and so it's like you got to get some new folks in to like really help elevate it's just sometimes when i read some of the black characters they sound like my like what my dad would think i would sound like <laughs> if that makes sense um even though like my dad knows me, but like he probably he doesn't hear me talk with like you or something like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the way the conversation you and I would have is different than what I would have with my dad. But he could probably guess what it is. And I'm sure he could probably he fill in the blanks of what he sees in the media. But that's yeah. not me <laughs> all the yeah. time. You know, there's a there's a mess and a nuance to it. And I feel like kind of like you said, I don't want to be ageist with it, but I feel like a lot of the black characters could benefit from being written by younger younger writers and younger talent um and it's just and you know i'm not that old i get it Mm. (laughs) it's just like you got you you got to sometimes let the new people take control and it's okay Mm -hmm. to like step back and move into a different role you know what i'm saying especially like once you've hit a certain a certain level in the industry. I think about like the milestone reboot that's happening right now. I think about milestone as a whole, like those men who started that company and like the things that they did, 
Legends. Always going Legendary. to respect them. Always yes. going to love them. Always going to appreciate them. Always going to give them what they deserve. Dwayne McDuffie ever. is probably... Dwayne McDuffie and Issa Rae are probably my biggest creative influences ever. Dwayne McDuffie mm-hmm. and like what he did with superheroes and stuff is iconic. Out of this world, like forever grateful. I also don't need any of them to ever write a comic book again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that with like <laughs> and I say that with like so much love and respect to right. all of them. But it's mm-hmm. like, no, like you're just not attuned to the streets like you think you are. Like if you have Again, I think about that Falcon comic that Rodney Barnes wrote and they had the new Patriot in there and they had the new Patriot making. No, I won't even use that. One. I won't even use that as an example. I'll use Aqualad um, since we're talking about DC characters. <laughs> when Aqualad first joined <laughs> the Teen yeah. Titans during Rebirth, and this is also like because Benjamin Percy wrote it. That's why I'm laughing right now. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, like when Aqualad meets Black Manta for the first time and he's kind of like talking about, I'm your son. These are some of my favorite things. This is what I like. One of the things he has Aqualad say is like, my favorite band is the Wu-Tang Clan. Child, why? (laughs) Child. That's why people's favorite rap group. (laughs) (laughs) it's like and i'm like thinking about it i'm like why would this child's favorite right why (laughs) and so like and and so then when i even so i'm like okay maybe it would have been better if a black guy wrote it but then i think back to like the rodney burns rodney Barnes series when he did the falcon he had ray sean and like ray sean i also thought about like he was in there talking about uh beyonce and jay-z and like had Falcon talking about the Wu-Tang Clan and like stuff like that. And I'm the, like, the Wu-Tang Clan. Why? Like, why are we talking about this? Like, this is like, I'm I'm sorry. Like, I'm not talking to any adult <laughs> like about the no. Wu-Tang Clan. And it's like no. the my younger siblings, I'm very close with my young cousin. You know, I've spoken about her and like how she stands Black Widow and she gets upset anytime I say something negative about her. That's um, so cute. <laughs> So, you know, like when I talk to my little cousin, you know what I'm saying? She's not like bringing up Jay-Z and Beyonce to me every five seconds. If anything, I'm bringing up Beyonce and Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm like, did you watch Homecoming yet? Like, what's going on, you know? So it's just like, you, you they're just not at- as attuned to the streets as they think. She's by and like looking up TikTok dances and stuff. And like... You know what I'm saying? And, it's like, <laughs> and it is A-OK for these older writers to be like, we built it like we're just gonna stand in the background we're gonna let you guys like mm-hmm. push out the new t- content we're gonna create we can oversee it we can help build the world we can do all this stuff but like we're going to let you new uh, you younger guys take the reins and do what needs to be done mm-hmm. now you know like static is after green lantern static is like my favorite dc character um yeah. but he i always put like an asterisk next to that because He's like a milestone character. I they don't really know if he's officially in the DC universe or what's really going on there. Um, with this whole rebirth of the milestone characters, are they on their own Earth M or what? I, I guess I don't know. M. Okay, that's kind of what I thought that they were on Earth M, um, which makes sense now because like, didn't you say like they could the, the whole multiverse is open? You can pretty much do whatever you want to do. <laughs> so <Basically. laughs> it's it's whatever, um, but. My thing with Static, um, it will always be, he's kind of like what got me into DC and like what is um, 
such like a character, a favorite character of mine. My issue with that is a, like a lot of these black characters, they end up being like crystallized in what they were when they first were introduced. And yeah. I feel like Static is getting this reboot and I really like the that like redesign that they came out with. Um, my only problem with the with that is I hope that he is allowed to grow up because mm. when Static first was created and introduced, he was like 14, 15 years old, um, which was like my age at the time. <laughs> so I connected with that. And however, I'm 30 now. And <laughs> although Static is like my favorite character, I don't really want to see Static as a 14 year old. I'd rather see Static, he doesn't have to be my age, which I yeah. get you want to also still appeal to a younger audience, but you could still have him age him up a little bit and make him, you know, um, a senior in high school or something, or, you yeah. know, a freshman in college instead of a freshman in high school so that you can start to tell fresher, newer stories and still, but still make him young, you know, and make him, and still make him connect with a young audience. Yeah. I think that that 14 year old market right now is kind of taken by Miles Morales. And uh, yes, you can mm-hmm. say that there's obviously moon for enough, more than enough, but why wouldn't you want to kind of elevate the character? And I feel like what happens with a lot of the black characters, they never really get elevated. They just get brought back in as a reminder of who they were and what they were capable of doing. And then that's kind of it. Yeah, um, I agree. Would you, who do you think has been the biggest, like, I guess elevated black DC character for them. Cyborg when he got pushed to Justice League. It definitely would probably be Cyborg and Jackson. I think um, at least in the media. Yeah, I think I think they kind of like run that. I, in terms of com- Jackson's journey in comics has been a little bit strange. I think it's one that's relatable. He's not really the Jackson that you've seen on the cartoon. He's kind of been going through this journey of finding himself and like becoming the hero that he is, which has like been really great and interesting to see. Um, Cyborg, we all know his little tumultuous history in the comics and what they've been doing with him. <laughs> I will never understand why he, why they just didn't use Black Lightning or Vixen. Like they were sitting right there. <laughs> Why didn't you just push <laughs> <Yeah>. them? <laughs> um, so that's been, um, I guess you can always give a shout out to Duke being like, mm. you know, kind of pushed. He got that big start in that We Are Robin series and then moving on to actually becoming a big part of the Bat family and kind of like their daytime response. To that's true. He's heroics. been kept around too. You know, I guess we'll have to see if that like translates to anything else. Other than that, I don't, I don't really, I don't really think they've, propped anybody up which is crazy to me because they have a lot they could do right even like they love the wheeling them out this month actually, <laughs> and showing who they got it's probably naomi oh you know what yeah she's getting a major push now because she's yeah. got a tv show coming right the tv show she's going to be on the justice league um yeah she's 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 the one yeah she is getting that really big push i forgot that naomi um was there She's got like a Superman kind of history, it's, right? It's like a little a, strange though, because she it's it's a little strange. It's not a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I never really could get into her outside of the art being dope. I thought, you know, Jamal Kimmel's amazing. Um, um but you know, I never really liked the like Superman kind of characters. But uh I felt like she had like every power. <laughs> it's still kind of vague what she can do. Like there's something with like light involved. Um mm. 
it's it's very like the mini series i've read it i maybe go like four times it is the most vague thing i've ever seen in my life mm. now you know who i would actually like to see get a bit of a push um and that is tanya spears oh i love her power girl yeah power girl. Yeah, I, I would her. love i would love to see power girl get like a bit of a push and and used more i thought her design was cute her little alpha puffs were were really cute she was real cute and you know yeah. i love a character that can change size like that's that's, that's a, right that's a power for me um she had a she had a semi-decent role in the deathstroke series oh yeah Chris that's right Priest was writing that and he had like his own little anti-titans team she was in that so that was nice mm-hmm. um I don't know. They did. They kind of. They kind of left her for dead. And it's strange because <laughs> she came out around the same time as Moon Girl, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I know that was the same time. Damn, I remember it this was, for a long time. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> what was it? Yeah, because it was like Moon. Wait, who came out first, Moon Girl or Riri? Oh, let me look. Moon Girl. I think it was Moon Girl came out first. Regardless, Tanya was there, and then like Moon Girl and Riri came out. But I remember like after Riri came out, Ironheart, you know, a lot of people were like, "Oh, um, they had like just discovered Tanya Spears, and they were like, oh, DC's copying off Marvel with like this like really genius girl who's from <laughs> MIT.' And it was like, no, she's actually been here. <laughs> they just don't use her. Oh, they were created at the same time, Ironheart and uh, Moon Girl. Oh, they were okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's I was like, I knew it was all around that area. So it was. It's always interesting, like that they're there. Yeah, but I, I, mean, I, I feel like Tanya Moore. Her her tenure as a Titan isn't really talked about. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I feel like now would be now that they have this Titans Academy coming. That, that would be a perfect time to just kind of throw her on there and then just kind of like give her a bit of a boost. Um. She's fine. But she's supposed to be older, right? I don't know if she was in that Deathstroke book. She was like already an intern at something. Well, her thing is that she's like a child genius. This is really so smart. She's like she's like 15 or 16 and mm-hmm. she was there. Um but I think also it's like just because of the connection to Power Girl, you can never really bring a uh, Power Girl isn't in a lot of like animated series and stuff like that and so i guess they don't want to just introduce tanya as like the main power girl maybe that's probably that's probably legal things that go on with that because i know that um they probably need to keep the name the the trademark for power girl otherwise it would go i'm otherwise i'm sure marvel will come in and and scoop that right on up (laughs) and scoop that right on up um you know how the litigators are with stuff like that. So they probably mm-hmm. needed to keep the name Power Girl. So they had her out there. But um, maybe then it might be that trademark might be coming up soon. So she can get another push <laughs> and they need yeah. to, like, you know, bring her back out. But I would like to see, like, more of the Black DC characters get a little bit of a push and not just be the same old thing that we know them to be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's... I like to see a lot more, <laughs> and I think that it's yeah. it could be done. No, I've been saying that I think that DC is on the rise when it comes to that. You know, mm-hmm. just from a 
standpoint of like the staff and management and what they've been doing behind the scenes they've been hiring a lot of people who seem like their intent to really make a push for diversity which is like crazy that we still have to talk about making a push for diversity in these comic books um and like kind of getting these characters out there but i do feel like there's a lot of people who are genuine in that intent to do that and again like like you just said we saw the milestone characters are coming back it's kind of like a separate thing it's going to be a digital first series but it's like we're taking the steps like we're kind of like moving towards where right. we need to be. So it'll be exciting to see how they do it. Um, and again, like we kind of talked about with DC, they're at this spot now where they have all these universes that they can pull from. So maybe we can start to see some of those other characters pop up like Thunder and Lightning, Black Lightning's daughters have pretty much been non-existent in the new 52, um, mm-hmm. despite being like very popular characters when they existed in Outsiders and the JSA. So it's like, maybe this is a chance to bring them back and like do something with that. Natasha Irons, right? Can we see some of her yeah, somewhere? Yeah, like she's she's always fun. She was popping up in Supergirl. Her dad still is. I mean, not her dad. Her uncle still it was dating uh, Lana Lang, so they're fun. She also dated Tracy Thirteen. She's a lesbian now. Oh, we love that. I would love. Yeah. <laughs> let's definitely wake that up then. I want more. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. Um, I feel like we just need to. Also, like, just kind of tap into that younger audience as far as the writers and stuff goes. It seems mm-hmm. like they only really reach out to, like, major, um, like, published writers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a Ta-Nehisi Coates or, um, I can't remember her last name, but N.K. Jemison, I think, who writes yes. the Far Sector book. Um, and even that book, Far Sector, was one that, like, I liked the... I liked the premise, but again, some of the times it felt very high Hello Kids because mm. the dialogue for Joe was like trying to be hip, but like it came mm. across weird. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna bring it up earlier that you know, in that Justice League book, I don't know if you realized, remembered that um, Joe she asked Batman. Oh, you know, what was the first person I fell in love with when I was out on the planet or whatever? Because she was like trying to figure out if he was a white Martian. And I don't know if you remember, the name was like this, like really long, like (laughs) random something of the mountain or whatever. And I think I told you in this far sector book, like it did too much with the alien names because you got got lost in that and you got lost Mm. in some of her dialogue that felt weird. Um, So it's like the... It's like the push is in the right places, but I feel like it could be just pushed and tapped into a little bit better and and done and done well. So these black characters can really get the push that I think that they deserve. Yeah. I agree with that. I know, um, I, and I know there's a lot out there. I see the people on Twitter, you know, and I think that I, I guess that will also be a big thing too. It's like so many people are kind of confusing, like how you get out or how you make it into the comic book industry. Like obviously mm-hmm. artists ha- can do a little bit more because you can publish your art and like more people see it. You can get it on all these avenues. The writers, I guess like you have to write and everyone's not gonna read the writing. <laughs> exactly. Um, I wish that they would, you know, just kind of take some chances on more uh, black writers and trying to get them in there. Yeah. Cause I do think the having that black voice would really help. Um, Last question. Do you think a lot of these characters can still be popular or do you think that we have to just make new ones to and push them? 
Oh no, I think now granted you can obviously do both, but you know, for especially so I think for DC, like yes, they can all definitely still be popular. You can create more, but the ones we have can also still be popular just because A, there's not a lot. And then mm-hmm. B, the ones that there are, they're pretty well known because they're the only ones. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> very true. Ain't nobody else but them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like people know who John Stewart is. People know who Cyborg right. is. People know who Vixen is. People know who Aqualad is. You know what I'm saying? Like you might not know too much about them, but you know they exist in some form or fashion. And so it's like they are still very easy to continue to push as popular and push to new heights. And while you do that, bring in some new folks and some new mm-hmm. faces. Again, I, I think I think Duke is a great example of kind of like a newer character who's like moved up into the ranks. Naomi obviously is doing her thing, but I think Duke had a pretty great slow burn. I think now is the time to take it to the next level. He I should agree. be like on a Young Justice or a Titans or like something and like so more people can see him. Yeah, I think that the way that you really push a lot of the the older characters is to start to integrate them more with the other more established characters and then that's how you kind of help get them pushed you know sure john stewart can be with the justice league but we need to see him like not just come in and do some green lantern shit we want to see him like in like the superman book or you know aquaman or whatever you know to be perfectly honest i kind of think it's at a point where those type of characters john stewart cyborg vixen they should just be in their own books that too yeah they they should have solos Um, I think that though, like those three specifically, like should are all at a point where anything that features them should be a solo book. And then, like you said, those I think all the other characters who are kind of a little bit lower on the totem pole, those are the ones who we need to start integrating into the Justice League to see interacting with Superman and stuff like that. Um, but those three, like honestly. I'll be okay. Like if I never see any of them on the league again, because <laughs> they don't need to be. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> they, it's they, just like they've always just been there. <laughs> yeah, it's just like if like if we're gonna start like really getting to them, like we need to give them their own books and like let them finally like push that. Especially Vixen. Like Vixen is one who's like just a wealth potential. Yes. In terms of like, I don't everything. know why they don't have given her a solo. It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> <laughs> That's just asking for money. Like <laughs> you know, she needs a solo. Um, so yeah, I think that's where I am with that. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, they they can definitely be pushing this time to give them all some solo stuff. Um, all right, that's all I wanted to discuss with this panel. Uh, let's take a break and we will come back for that rewatch of WandaVision. Ooh. We're back for another rewatch of WandaVision, WandaVision. episodes five and six. Yes, yes, yes. Um, wow. This show is like... <laughs> we are getting an MCU movie every week. <laughs> for real. It feels that way. It feels that way. Shout out to the budget. Because... <laughs> to the act- wow. and They are acting on yeah. this show. All right? Yeah. Like, everyone is acting down and i love it yeah they are everybody put their good actor they're going for the emmys child <laughs> they, okay. want they, they want their tv stuff they want their praise because everybody on the show is really giving it um 
episode five and between the two episodes episode five in my opinion was a little bit better than episode six um and episode five you get them in this is supposed to be the 80s right and you get the whole opening which is i think is really cute of all the different like 80s sitcoms and stuff uh full house (laughs) all that i think that's really cute you know you know with elizabeth olsen and her uh, twin sisters uh, mary kate nashley um and you see the kids billy and tommy they've like been aged up they're like mm-hmm. cute little toddlers now or like i don't know they're like five or whatever i think so um, yeah super cute they are um these adorable little kids uh they're running around she can't control them per se you know she uh by she i mean wanda um mm-hmm. so i don't know what's really going on with these kids because while they were babies she tried to put them to sleep, but couldn't put work. them to sleep, and it didn't work. Like, her magic powers didn't work. And um, sure enough, just in time for her to need, um, you know, some help, Agnes just, like, magically appears. <laughs> and yeah. uh, she's like, oh, you know, I'm here. I can come and help you out. And, oh, don't worry about it. Like, I can watch the kids for you while you guys do whatever. And Vision is starting to be like, no, that'll make sense. How does she, like, just pop up? Mm-hmm. randomly just the just this nick of time like Always like a sitcom right um and agnes makes this point of after the kids finally go back to sleep agnes makes this point of oh my gosh you know children uh you can't control them which i think that was mm-hmm. like definitely a point to, to focus on okay. or something um so the the kids like aged themselves up, which we later found out that they were the ones to age themselves up. I thought that like Wanda was kind of doing it somehow, but I guess like, I always no. got the feeling that the kids are doing it. It's a, it's I think it's a little Wiccan magic in there. Oh yeah, I know that's right. I forgot you know you are the Wiccan stand, so <laughs> I'm sure you are <laughs> you, you know getting your life with all of this that the Wiccan concert. <laughs> Him and his grandparents. <laughs> you know, honestly, so, you know, it's funny because you say issue, I mean, not issue, uh, look at us, look at me. Uh, <laughs> episode five was better. I was all about episode six. Of course because, you were. <laughs> uh, you know, as soon as it opened up. So first of all, I really love that they kind of played on the um Malcolm in the Middle theme for that episode. Oh my God, I loved that. I loved yeah. Malcolm in the Middle back in the yeah, day. Yeah, like that. I thought that was really cute and like having like the kids kind of narrate parts and stuff and going on. Yeah. And so as soon as it opened up and like Billy started talking, I was like, this is what I came for. <laughs> like, listen, I was like, now the show's good. Um, and so it was like really fun kind of watching them run around and do that um going back to episode five though um i really did kind of enjoy the entire mystery of what's going on with the people and vision starting to come to terms with like realizing things aren't what they are supposed to be here and even the reveal of like when he kind of got into the guy the co-worker's head after he touched him and like he was Great open scene. he's like yeah like fantastic scene again like everybody's acting and he was like terrified he's like you gotta stop her and it's like then vision like puts them back under and so he's re- confronts wanda about that and like that scene in itself was just amazing and having them like oh flying up to each other and like yeah. just anger and vision's like i can't remember anything what is going on and wanda just being like don't worry about it like, like let I it go control right yeah um, so I love that scene that uh so they got after they had got that dog or whatever, like um 
randomly the kid like the kids like find mm-hmm. a dog they want to adopt it um agnes comes over again right on time and he vision comes downstairs and he's like oh you know i'm just dressed and wanda's like well why are you dressed so formally um he's like mm, because i have a feeling someone's gonna come over here just and have exactly what we need and sure enough agnes comes over with a dog house for the dog that they just got that day <laughs> and um <laughs> Wanda like magics up a dog collar and Vision's like, hold on now, <laughs> you know, we weren't supposed to be showing our powers or whatever. And, and she's like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. It's cool. It's whatever. Um, and later, like you said, they get into that fight. And I loved um, Elizabeth Olsen when um, Vision's like, you can't control me the way you control all the others. And she was like, I can't. <laughs> okay. And the credit star rolling. And the credit star rolling. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I do what the hell I want to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that. Um, and them getting into like this argument, they're making them feel like, you know how I was bitch about not seeing couples not seeing actually them. be couples. Uh-huh. This is <laughs> what they're you're, you're living. Exactly. So like we're seeing them like be, you know, have some kind of conflict between them two between each other because they are two separate people. And you know, and she is clearly going through it and having a breakdown. Yeah. So I also love kind of the little parts that we've been seeing with characters like specifically Agnes where she kind of like breaks Mm. character Mm -hmm. and she's like there's a scene like where something happens and she's asking Wanda she's like do you want me to do it again like do you want to start right yeah um or or even like after the the dog dies you know um you know when unfortunately the dog does die she's like talking to Wanda she's like oh you can do that yeah yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like um, oh you can bring people back to life bro what <laughs> yeah so it's it's interesting to kind of watch those characters and then again like i said when vision kind of like frees people from whatever they're under spell they're under it's just like okay so these people kind of know that they're in a show or like acting or doing something for wanda's whim but at the same time they like know or they're like under a spell and they know that they're not in control right now. So it's a lot of layers going on to whatever she's doing to them. Yeah, definitely a lot of layers. When when Agnes kind of broke out there and she was like, you know, do you want me to do this again? Um, it felt like, wait a minute, um, she's in on the show part of it, or she at least yeah. knows that things are supposed to go the way that Wanda wants them to go, or at least you know, like she's all as far as the show goes. So because she has um, another moment like that in um episode six with her when he's like mm-hmm. doing security at the what was the Halloween party. yeah and you know and he says something to her he's like do you want me to do something different he's like do you want me to do it again like what's going on and right she's like no what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's like it's fine it's cool <laughs> um so and and then again like her I think even what was that episode uh three or four when she first kicked Geraldine out, like, um, yeah. they were the two who were talking to Vision. They, like, seemed the most aware of whatever is going on than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wonder, you know, how they all got caught up in this mess. Like, did they, were they already in Westview and then Wanda is just keeping them there? Or did they just, you know, were they visiting Westview and got lost there or something like that? I don't know what's really going on. I'd like to get to the, my biggest question so far has been what's going on with the townspeople and what's going to happen to them after um you know uh, this episode five um you know she is they send a 
a drone through. By they, I mean Sword. Sword finally gets drawn through. It's being commanded by Monica Rambo because she comes up with the idea of, wait a minute, um, <clears throat> my clothes that I came out in, um, they're bulletproof because she tries to shoot it. And it's because they've been like rewritten like the molecularly, like the reality of them has been yeah. changed. Her Kevlar vest was basically changed into her clothes that she was wearing. Um, and she thought, well, it was either her or Darcy thought like, you know, well, what happens if you send something in that doesn't need to get changed? So they sent in this older drone and that was not a good idea because, um, you know, uh, it was also a Stark drone. So, you know, Wanda's got some trauma with <laughs> Stark missiles being launched at her. So uh, they shot her with a missile that wasn't going to work <laughs> because wow. she leaves her bubble and like throws the drone at them. Cause, cause clearly she like got rid of the missile and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there's this entire scene out there, which I thought was amazingly acted and shot between Scarlet witch and the sword agents. They've all got their like guns targeted at her. Um, and she's like, no, I'm not the terrorist. You guys are. Cause y'all got the guns. I'm just trying to live like, Leave me alone. Um, she looks at Hayward and says, I have what I, well, after Monica's like, you know, we can help you out. What do you need? Um, she's like, you know, I have everything I need um, and I'm not going to let anybody take it away from me again. She looked at Hayward and said that, which makes me feel like Hayward was involved in taking Vision's body. Like, um, I think that when we finally see how the Scarlet Witch was able to get the vision's body i think that we will see that hayward was also already there because i know that they changed the acronym for sword from like sentient world observation to sentient weapon and the vision is a sentient weapon so it makes okay. sense that sword would be the ones trying to probably get the vision's body probably to make their own or something like that we did see in um episode six that they were like tracking vision when Darcy mm -hmm. was um, breaking into the file. So that I, I, I follow that line of thinking. I like it. Yeah, I think that they were involved in either uh, trying to take his whole body or trying to replicate it or something, but I think that they had it, you know, before Wanda got there and um, stormed through, as we saw <laughs> in that one clip, she just marched straight through the doors and, and are took you, him out. Um, are you enjoying Monica still? I am, a lot. Um, Tiana Paris is beautiful and she yeah, is is doing uh, great stuff in this show. Um, I like the, I like what she's representing on the show, which is like, mm -hmm. she thinks, <laughs> you know, I like a character <laughs> that, that say, thinks. You love a character that thinks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love a character that thinks. So like, um, she's always the one to be able to come through with like a rational head and a rational mind and say, now, hold on, that don't make sense. We should be trying to do things this way. Um, she didn't want to shoot um, the missile at, at Wanda. Wanda. They did, yeah. <laughs> you know, she was just kind of coming and try to talk to Wanda. Um, that is kind of what leads us into this conflict between Wanda and, and uh, Monica, because like, Wanda kind of sees Monica as like an an a non-threatening ally, I guess. Not necessarily an ally, maybe a non-threatening enemy because she's still on the outside, but she doesn't think of her as a threat anyway because uh, she did 
aim all those guns at Hayward. She didn't make any of them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, shoot Monica, which I think was on purpose. Um, so yeah, I'm enjoying Monica in this okay. series. And then, how do you feel about the ending of episode five? Okay, so I I was gagged. Okay. <laughs> I was. I was. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Wanda opens the door because the door rings, the doorbell rings, and Vision is like, um, you know, oh, here you go again, making something convenient show up when in the middle of us fighting. He was digging at her. He was. What's going on, sister? (laughs) And she said, you know, I didn't do that. And she was like, you you don't believe me. But whatever I say, because Vision clearly doesn't believe him, which I'm starting to think I don't. Um, Mm. Yeah, I don't know if I believe. Uh, No. No, I don't think she did that. Never mind. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So Quicksilver, I mean, uh, she opens the door and it's Pietro. And but it's Evan Peters from the Fox X-Men movies as as Pietro. And I was not expecting him to be Pietro. I had heard rumors about him being on the show and that they were bringing Mm -hmm. him back. I was I just assumed that they would bring him back and have him play Mephisto. I still think that um, that whole thing is somehow playing into this. Um, okay. maybe not necessarily Mephisto. He might be Nightmare or something else. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't know. Something else. There's another like sinister like force in this. I don't think Wanda is like the villain of of all this. Okay. Um but he shows up and he says, Oh, I'm Pietro, you know, no hug for your long locks, bro. So yeah. uh right then and there, that lets me know that he is not the fox. Quicksilver because that Quicksilver didn't have an older sister. He had like a younger kid sister. Um, mm, that is- and and uh, Wanda calls him Pietro and in the Fox X-Men movies his name was Peter. So uh, they're definitely not the same characters, just the same actor. Okay. Um, Do you think that so- she like pulled him over some way or they're going to like kind of tie it in? Because, you know, we know that she's going to be in the multiverse of madness in right. Doctor Strange too. So do you think they are going to try and like, maybe that's what it is, they're tying it in some way? Or do you think it's just like a fun nod that they have these two guys? I think that it's a fun nod because um, as we see, and we guess we can kind of go ahead and jump into episode six. As we see in episode six, um, you know, it's this Halloween episode. Everyone's getting dressed for Halloween. You know, super cute Wiccan and Speed got their like <laughs> comic book knock costumes on. And they're like going through the house in this very like uh, Malcolm in the Middle feel. Um, but um, Pietro is there. He's still got his super speed. You know, he's running around and doing all that kind of stuff. And Later in the episode, um, she has this kind of talk with Pietro and uh, Wanda's like, you know, why did your face change? And Mm -hmm. um, I think that this was them explaining the face change (laughs) and not saying that he was pulled over from some other universe. I think that uh, Pietro responds to Wanda and says, you know, if I found Shangri-La, why would I want to have a face that reminded me of sadness? Which is like, you know, if I found this like Nirvana or this place of peace, why would I want to have the face of my dead brother always reminding me about that? So um, 
I think that was a cute nod to say that like their faces changed, which I think that they've done something like this before, actually, with uh Rhodey in Iron Man when they um recast um Terrence Howard. Ter- Ter- what was what's uh what's the other dude's name? Don Cheeto. Don Cheeto. When they recast Terrence Howard with Don Cheeto, um I think in the movie, Iron Man or Tony Stark says like, oh, you look a little different or like and um, a Don Cheeto responds with like, oh, you know, I think I lost a little weight or like or the suit mm. makes me look a little taller or something like that. And then they just like keep it moving. Keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> I think this I think in WandaVision, this was the same kind of thing where they explained all of the questions that you may have had through the through Wanda's own questioning, you know. Um, later on in the episode, Wanda even asks him, you know, where'd your accent go? <laughs> Buckwild, yeah. where'd your accent go? He's like, where's yours? <laughs> and she was, was gagged like, too. She was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you know, hold on. I, I'm asking the questions. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, you know, she asked him, where'd your accent go? And personally, I think that he doesn't have an accent on this show because I don't think Evan Peters can do that accent. <laughs> so they just were like, don't even, just don't even try to do that. <laughs> Forget it. We'll just have it in the show where, you know, she rewrote it or whatever, which, um, or, you know, have him rebuttal with, you know, where yours go. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, so this episode six for me was fun. You know, you get more of their like Halloween stuff. The episode parts of the show, as far as the sitcom stuff went, um, wasn't as great for me as the vision stuff that was going happening in this episode. You know, he the vision really stuff was really, free. really good. Yeah. I thought the vision stuff in episode six was really good. He's trying to get up out of there. He's like walking around the neighborhood because earlier in the episode, they were supposed to go trick or treating, but vision was like, Oh no, I'm going to go join her for the neighborhood watch. And Wanda's like, wait, you're not supposed to do that. And vision's like, what do you mean? Right. He's like, well, what should I be doing? Huh? You want to, uh, let's talk about it. <laughs> and she's like, nope. <laughs> Never mind. Forget like, it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really did enjoy that. And I kind of, and I loved a lot of the stuff that came with it and vision kind of like, as he goes to explore, we kind of, of course, find out he's not with the neighborhood watch and he's just like going farther and farther out into the town. And as we go out to the town, we start seeing people moving a lot slower and, just kind of doing repetitive motions and they're not as like up. And so it's like really interesting to see how far Wanda's sphere of influence influence is and like how much she can actually do. Oh, excuse me, yes, hex of influence. Um, (laughs) And you know, what she can do and like how powerful she actually is. Yeah. She's really fucking powerful. (laughs) And then, and then of course, so, you know, we get vision. He kind of like, and we're going to jump back and forth a little bit here. You know, Vision, he walks out of the hex and he's confronted by the sword agents and like, but it's pulling him back into the point mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, he starts breaking apart. And a little bit earlier in the episode, we find out that young Tommy has super speed, like his favorite uncle Pietro. And, you know, Billy's just kind of there and we're like, oh, what's Billy going to do? And then we start getting Billy hearing Vision. And I thought it was great how that plus him stopping Tommy was kind of mimicking what Wanda's original powers were. You know, when when she first came on the scene, they said she was like psychokinetic and she Mm. could move stuff and all that. And so it's like, oh, here's little Billy now. 
he's, he's got the mind stuff going on. <laughs> like, let's get the sparkles on. It's happening. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to be living for that. I was like, oh, yes. Uh, the Wiccan stuff are going to eat this up. <laughs> it was great. It was, was great. I was loving it. I was like, I was loving it. <laughs> yeah, well, as soon as I saw that little blue uh, power stuff come up, I was like, oh, and yeah. you know, And you know, I'm usually not into the kids. Like, I don't deal with the kids. But right. like, Young Billy and WandaVision. Oh, and Maggie and Excalibur. Like, mm. I love Maggie and Excalibur. She's, like, fantastic. So, like, Young <laughs> Billy young Billy and Maggie, they're, like, the only kids who, like, I'm here for. Okay, yes. That's because they talk like little Stewies. <laughs> 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 like little Stewie Griffins. Like, they just got a lot of attitude. Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought that that part was cool. I wasn't expecting them to get their power so soon in this show mm-hmm. um as 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 they're like 10 years old now right or something like that yeah. uh because they had to age and themselves guess, up and i guess that could also tie back to kind of like what you were saying where there has to be something else sinister going on like maybe mephesto nightmare i don't know just some type of other influence because it's like you know we've seen wanda can't control them she couldn't stop them from crying they are like mm-hmm. aging themselves up when at whenever they want they're developing powers and it's like Wanda's not giving them powers. So it's like, how is all of this happening? What's going on with the twins there? Mm-hmm. Speaking of Wanda giving people powers, um, how do you feel mm-hmm. about Monica? Um, and they would like, uh, Darcy was able to hack into Hayward's files and she looked at Monica's blood work and it showed that, you know, her cells had been like altered because she went through the, hex twice yes do you think that like she is going to get her powers that way or has that is there something that's already been there what do you think is going on i do think i so i feel like it's something that's already been there i feel like maybe the hex like activated something that was already in one i think that i'm sorry i want monica i think that should monica get her powers it's more so going to be due to something with captain marvel space radiation in her body we already know that her mom has passed away from cancer so we can assume that there might be some also effects that have been inside of her i think that maybe the hex has activated that or enhanced it or maybe altered that so it doesn't turn to cancer and kill her or something like that but instead like helps activate her powers i do think her powers are coming though yeah i think so too i think i said uh on the show previously that i've I thought that, you know, the way she's going to get her powers is she's going to be in a suit or something that is kind of like, it'll look like an homage to her uh, spectrum costume, you know, mm-hmm. with the white and all of that. But it'll be like some kind of body containment suit and she'll try to get back into the the hex or whatever, but then she'll be caught in an explosion. You know, it's always an explosion. Always, <laughs> so, always. so she'll get caught in some explosion and then that's kind of what's going on with her powers. Um, I do remember that in episode, uh, five, when they did the tests on her, um, her results were coming back. Like the light was too bright on that mm, scan. So, that, yeah. um, I don't know. Is coming. She's definitely coming and I can't wait for her to get there. I just don't want her powers to be tied to Wanda because, my thing is, if Wanda is able to do this once, why can't she do it a bunch of times? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if if Wanda is altering, if if Wanda if, or if Monica's cells got altered because of going through the hex, does that mean Darcy's cells got 
changed because um spoiler for the show obviously um at the end of episode six vision is about to try to like escape and like you said billy's powers have uh come in come in they finally locate him wanda is like no and uses her powers and makes the hex grow it's like (laughs) significantly larger now and every all the sword members are now inside of it so Mm -hmm. um like if she if monica got her powers from going through the hex does that mean that these people's cellular stuff has now been changed because they went through which again is why i'm more so operating under the theory that her cells or structure was already strange because of captain marvel and the Mm. hex just did something to like boost that Mm. or like start it up um i don't think i would enjoy monica being i mean wanda being responsible for giving anyone their powers no i do not think no i don't bring mutants into the mcu absolutely not that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense because if anything that wouldn't make the mutants that would make the mutates a mutant is somebody that's born with like their genetic uh difference like spider-man isn't a mutant he's a mutate it's also just strange because you know um you have a lot of people who operate under the theory that they want scarlet witch and quicksilver to be magneto's kids in the Mm -hmm. mcu and it's just like well if wanda creates mutants so she creates her dad i've asked that question and nobody had an answer for me I was like, so uh, if she creates mutants, then that means she created Magneto and Xavier. Y'all want her to create Storm? <laughs> like what? Wanda created Storm. The ultimate that don't make no X. sense. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Um, so no, I don't think that she's gonna be like creating mutants like that. Uh, I think that's a strange. I don't think the mutants are coming anytime soon. I think a lot. I think people are kind of like stressing themselves out with the mutants. <laughs> yeah, it's because, like I say, it's like the X Men and the mutants are so popular, but for some reason, people care more about the lore than the story, and they just want to see like the lore that they know. Because, like, what does Wanda even need to be a mutant for? She don't even like to be <laughs> an X Men. She don't even want to be like over there. Pretend the pretender so like yeah i don't know i think that we need to like pump the brakes on the the x-men mutant stuff do um, you have a theory of who um who who monica's friend is that she's going to bring in to help her get back into the hex okay so there are a few guesses that i've seen go around and um i've seen people say somebody of the fantastic four it'll be reed richards Whoa. i don't think that um which I find it interesting that y'all love to shade my Fantastic Four, but everybody's so excited to rush to see them on screen. So, Ooh. <laughs> otherwise, why are they in the conversation? <laughs> I think we just—I think we want the villains. Fantastic Four have all the good villains. I'm—I'm mm, I'm here for Sue. So, <laughs> okay, say what you will, but uh, I am here for Susan uh, Storm. I do not think Sue Storm was on the opposite end of that call either. I don't think any of the bodies okay. from the Four was. Um, I've seen people also say um, that it could be Blue Marvel. Now, as as know. cool as that could be, I don't want that. Um, not because I don't want Blue Marvel in the MCU. I obviously want that. That'd be cool. Oh, okay, I was about to say. 
No, no, no. I don't. I want him in the MCU, but not yet because I don't want Monica to be bound by no man already. <laughs> like, I <don't, laughs> like I want. I don't want Monica to, um, like before she even suit up to already have her love interest introduced and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see no, her shine that. before we kind of pull him in. So, I honestly, I think that it is probably. Um, do you remember in Captain Marvel that little squirrel girl that she was like? friends with on the steps before they all kind of went back into space mm, um, yes yes i think it's probably her grown up or just like some other scroll okay right i guess we'll see um i i don't think it's blue marvel i also hope it's not blue marvel um i would love for blue marvel to be introduced in a different type of way um in a much grander setting and honestly side note i've always wanted him to appear in the um fantastic four movie if they if they went the route of the negative zone um introduction like that origin story like the ultimate origin story versus the going out into space and getting their powers i would think it would be cool if he was there like on already in the negative zone or something and they came and got him out or something i think that'd be that cool. would be cute i can be into that <laughs> marvel needs to give me my blue marvel series thank you yeah playing. yeah yeah it's time WandaVision. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. Yeah, overall, I thought it was great. Um, I don't really know what's going on with Quicksilver um or Pietro anyway. Wanda has a flash of him being dead, you know. So I assume then that does that mean is that was that a flash of her trauma or was that a flash of like his actual dead? I like, think it's a flash of trauma because she had like a similar um situation with vision. Yeah, a few episodes ago when she like saw him with like his head all bashed in from the mind stone. So So does that mean that he's actually dead there? Maybe it's not his body, but does that mean that like this Pietro isn't like I don't is this Pietro going to make it out of this show or is he dead dead? Oh, that's an interesting question. That's what I mean. Cuz like if Vision if she's having traumatic uh like sights of Vision and he's already dead and she's having these traumatic like uh visions of Pietro, and he's already dead. Is he legit dead and gonna make it out of this show? Mm, interesting. Uh, that's yeah. my that's my question. I wonder if I wonder if the twins. Uh, I think the twins are gonna make it out somehow. Billy and Tommy, you think so? Yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine also thinks that they're gonna make it out just because the whole like they were the other souls thing is convoluted, and they already got their powers now, so just let them leave. Maybe that's why Wanda goes to the multiverse of madness. Maybe like mm. the souls like get trapped somewhere or something like that and they have to go and find them when they come back over. I don't know. I think the twins are going to make it out. That's all I know. <laughs> How do you think the multiverse is going to play into this? Do you think that? Uh, I don't know if it is. I don't know if it is, honestly, in the WandaVision. I don't think that there's going to oh, be this I, yeah, big like multiverse um oh my god there's a portal open thing that's gonna i don't think anything happens in the multiverse here i think that whatever happens in the show will lead her to the multiverse but i don't think we're actually going to get that yet i agree i think that whatever she does to whoever is i think um you know dr strange is gonna come in with his sparkles and his circle and (laughs) come through (laughs) and help contain this hex and fix it and then take her off to help train her in her magic and then they'll be like probably popping through the multiverse to do all Mm, that okay 
And then he'll probably, you know, be like, oh my God, this is all nightmare bringing this. Nightmare was increasing your fears because he was okay. feeding off your magic. You know, there was a a commercial in this episode, in episode six, which was, um, I assume, a reflection of her trauma. Like all the other commercials, you know, there was that uh, Stark watch or whatever it was supposed to be like a bomb or the, sorry, mm-hmm. the Stark toaster that was a bomb. Um, and all the commercials so far have been reflective of her past traumas. However, this one, there was this like boy on an island and, or this kid on an island and he was like, oh, I'm really hungry. And this shark comes out and it looked just like this old, like yogurt <laughs> or like uh, Capri Sun ass commercials from the nineties, which I think was really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, this like, they're like claymation stuff. So this shark like comes out and it's like, oh, you know, uh, have this eat on this and it was the product was called yo magic and the little kid kept trying to open the yo magic but it never got it open and it took like a long time to get it open and then they died and they were just a skeleton and the shark comes out and was like oh yo magic for the survivors so i think that someone is like feeding off of her magic or something Mm. Okay, okay. I mean, it would be cool if it is Nightmare. I'm a big fan of Nightmare as a villain. Okay. Comics, yeah. It's dope. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, so this love, most recent episode is still very good. Um, left with more questions. I don't know if Quicksilver is going to make it out. Um, I'm personally still not sold on if the, the twins are going to make it out. But I do think that there's another like sinister voice that is kind of manipulating her in this you know um mm. i did think that it was really cool in the earlier um part of episode six after the whole trick-or-treating quicksilver and wanda have this like sit down conversation and quicksilver is like so how are you doing all of this like what's yeah. what's the, what's the thesis like <laughs> also i loved how like aware he was of everything it's like yeah, yeah. I, I know you're doing this like it's okay <laughs> It felt like the comics to me. It felt like yeah. Wanda and Pietro to me. Because he was like, you know, and she was like, you know, you're not mad at me. Like, you're not upset that I'm doing this. And Quicksilver was like, no. no. And, then, and then, like, that's exactly how it would be in the comics. Pietro would, like, never care. He'd be like, oh, no, if you're happy, do it. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, he was like, you know, I'm not um, I'm not your husband. <laughs> you can okay. talk to me about whatever. Um, which I did like the how they had Quicksilver written for that. I thought that that was a really great uh, showcase of his personality because it was accurate to the comics. Um, but yeah. I'm I'm fine. I'm also fine with him being Pietro, you know? Um, yeah, I, 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 liked, I liked him. I would have liked. Um, I think I only would have wanted Aaron Taylor Johnson because for continuity purposes, because it is the same mm-hmm. actor. But as long as this is the same character, it's fine. Yeah. I just, I wanted Quicksilver back anyway, so. Yeah. And the way they've done and the way they've done it is well done. Yeah, agree. It fits with yeah. the story. I like the way it was written in with the change, all of that kind of stuff. It, it made sense yeah. to me. Agreed. I'm ready for the next episode. I'm ready for Teenage Billy. And oh yeah, I'm sure I, you are ready. <laughs> I, I am ready for Teenage Billy and to see what's going on there. Now what are you going now? Um, what are you gonna do when he meets um a young blonde squirrel boy? Hmm. <laughs> um, I think we got some time before that happens. <laughs> I got some time to mentally prepare for that. Okay. Um, but you know, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see um kind of what goes on with like Monica and Jimmy 
now that they're out of the hex and they're like yeah. going to do whatever. I'm excited to see Darcy inside of the hex and mm-hmm. what she's going to be like. Um, I'm excited to again now see Vision now that she's expanded the hex out, but we know that Vision got out and like saw all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, is he going to remember that now in the next episode? Is she going to like try and erase the memory? Like, what's going on there? Because what this is only nine episodes. Yeah, it's nine episodes. We, we got three left, so mm-hmm. it's like and I in in most recent interviews, uh, Paul Bettany has said that these the last three are when like things hit the fan. And he said those were the best ones. <laughs> and I think they're going to be longer, too. Um, oh, are I think they? At le- I think at least the last two are an hour. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, this is going to be great. I'm in. I'm excited to see what else they kind of do. And then this literally will roll right into um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. So. <laughs> Ooh, I'm ready for that. Yeah. I'm ready for that. Yeah, that trailer was really good. I I think that they're in Madripoor in the beginning of that. I think that that island that they're at is Madripoor. Man, I love me some Madripoor. Let me. I know. Tell I think. Yeah. I think. It's, I think that you're gonna really like be hype as shit it's, for like it's, the, it's the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I, I'm a little. I won't lie. I am a little apprehensive. Between us, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I don't. I don't know if I really like Anthony Mackie. That's fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but he here I now. Mean, he ain't going to change. But so. Yeah, but he's here <laughs> and it's like, I'm excited and I know, I know it's going to look good. Right. Look good. I'm ready to see Falcon kick some people in the face. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. That's going to be great. All right, y'all. That brings us to uh, the end of the show. Uh, please feel free to rate and subscribe us and wherever you get your app, your podcast at Apple, Google, all that. Um, leave us comments. You can find us on Twitter at another relaunch. You can email us your own questions, um, anything you want to discuss your own relaunches. You may want us to read or whatever at another relaunch at gmail.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter and all kind of social media stuff out there at uncanny LZ. I need to change my PlayStation network name to uncanny LZ too. So y'all can find me on there and we can play video games and stuff together. If you have an Xbox, you can add me. See, I'm team PlayStation. Why are we always on opposite ends of the I know. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, Keenan, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lance. There is an underscore at the end. Boom. All right, y'all. I'm about to get up out of here. I'm hungry again. <laughs> I am hungry. I'm going. I, I wanted to go back to the gym, but it's like freezing rain out, and so oh, yeah, the ground's kind of icy. So okay, it's nice outside. I might go outside. <laughs> 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 All right, I'm out. Peace out, y'all.